today we're going to be talking about if the Zelda movie will actually do more harm than good. Be careful what they wish for. As the saying goes, we're finally getting the Zelda movie, which we maybe are. some people have been hoping for for a long time, but we've got a couple specific little details that we're going to be looking at. Some, little, some hand grenades. Oh boy. To see what might happen with those. Yes, definitely it's going to be a situation where it's Nintendo versus the very, very passionate Zelda fans in the ultimate showdown with this movie. We're going to get into that in a second. But before that, we want to send a big thank you out to our wonderful Patreon family for making all of this possible. We are actually recording our very first episode of the Kit and Krista podcast in our new studio Check it space. out. Oh my gosh, it feels like a little bit surreal, honestly, to be doing this, but and I keep thinking back to the tiny little spare bedroom where we started right. this whole adventure, and because of all of our wonderful Patreon subscribers were able to move on up, baby, to a new studio, and we feel great. Yeah, they're the ones who have made this possible. Yes. Um, it's wonderful. We love it. We, we frantically moved in last week. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So thank you to all of our great yeah. Patreon subscribers for making this possible and making our dream a reality. Exactly. It means the world to us. If you'd like to support us, we're at patreon.com slash Krista. Um, Speaking yeah. of the new studio, though, we do have a video out on the channel. We do. Um, Oh, a little vlog of moving out yeah. of the old place, moving in to the new place. Mm -hmm. When we, at the end of last week, I could not believe that we had only moved out of there that previous Monday. I know. And it had been less than a week here. It's true. Frantic. We, we frantically did move, but we also, I feel like you and I both just felt like immediately very at home yes. here in our, yes. new, in our new studio space. And that is a good sign, obviously. Um... And we just, yeah, I think we just felt like this was the totally the right place for us to be. And we're just so excited to be in our new space. Now we have room to spread out. And the whole point is that we want to make more content for all of you. Um, we have some like, really specific challenges that we were facing before we got our space of our own, where, for example, you and I could not stream in the same place, which was like really annoying. Now we can do that. Now we can. So, yes. So we're hoping that this means even more cool things we get to make for you guys. And hopefully you'll you'll enjoy it as Exactly. Well. Exactly. Yes. Uh, some other cool stuff on the channel. Speaking of vidyas. 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 We have a great Super Kitten Krista 64 mm -hmm. where we went hunting for street passes. Yes. We tried to answer the age-old question of can you get a street pass in 2023? We asked ourselves the same question in 2022. Unfortunately, the answer was no in Didn't happen then. This time, though, we got smart. We're like, let's go to a place where we would have like a higher likelihood of running into somebody that was still carrying a 3DS around. So we went to San Francisco's Japantown, which is actually just a really cool place to yeah. visit. Um, there's tons of like little nooks and crannies, gaming, gaming and, and other sort of retro-y little stores. Um, there's a really cool bookstore that we really like. There's good food there. So we were like, this might be a place where we finally find one, like out in the wild. So you have to watch the video to find out if we did or not, but we thought that that was a good place to at least give it a try. One of our Patreon folks did have a good idea because we say, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna do a video like this at PAX because it's too easy. Of course we'll get a street pass there, but they did say, like, could you could you get at guesstimate like oh, you know when guesstimate. you're like how many things are in this how jar how many jelly beans are in the jar how many street passes would you get over the course okay. of a pax 
That's a fun. That's a fun another way. That's a fun new way for you to lose, basically. Oh, for you to lose. What for about me to good win. at guesstimations? You're not. Not estimations, though. <laughs> guesstimations. Just, just the guesstimations. It's more fun that way. Yes. Yes. Esti many... Estimations, like, how much are you going to pay in taxes? I know. Guesstimations, how many, how jelly, many jelly beans, beans are, are in the jar? jar. <laughs> right. That's fun. <laughs> the other one, not so fun. Not the taxes part. Um, <laughs> but yes, we should we should do that the next pack. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, I think we can, um, I can sway the results by calling in Cheating? some street pass friends of mine to, what? to, to pass me to the number You have that secret street pass friends? Yeah, you don't. Uh, they're not secret. I'm very out and open about my friends, oh, all I of them, see. no matter what. You've got hidden friends because you're ashamed of them. I'm okay, not. got it. Cool. They want Bad look for you. It's like the shadow league of street passes. Whatever. Uh, that video is out. <laughs> Speaking of the uh, the streaming, so we're getting the streaming setup uh, all going. Yes. We did do two more installments of our Mario RPG full playthrough. Right. Those are out. You should check them out. We're getting close. Oh my gosh. We're getting close. Are we going to finish the game by the I time the, the remake comes out? I don't know. Maybe that was never the goal to begin with, even though we said it was. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't. You're really backpedaling maybe, on this. Maybe that was just a little inside joke that we had. I don't know. I still don't know who Mallow is. <laughs> There's a lot of things I don't know. You missed the pivotal installment. I'm so glad. Where we learned Mallow's origin. I did promise all of you that I would be the first to play um, the remake on stream, so I have to hold myself to oh, that. Oh, So when gosh. we do the, the first look, it's going to be me, in the words of Justin Bieber. Well, we saw you or play... Or not Justin, Justin Timberlake. Uh, okay, I mean, we saw you playing a little bit in, in these videos. And, and I did great. And it wasn't great. What do you mean I did so well? I did, I was excellent. It is hard to come in midway and, and know the timing for all the but I figured it attacks out. and the defending and, and all of that. I thought we did pretty good. We did. Why did you, why did you start this off so disparagingly of me? Why would you do I gotta that? I got to put on a happy face. I thought it was pretty fun. <laughs> I had fun. I had a good time. Um, yes, that one is, we are, we are, we are five stars deep now, huh? We only have yeah. two more to go. That's right. Yeah. Speaking of the Zelda movie, we did do a reaction also to yes. that news right when it came out. Mm -hmm. This is Miyamoto. This is Miyamoto. This is a reaction video. Uh, we did that. <laughs> Maybe we should do, do all of our social media. It's like, this is Krista. This is Kit. Just start, this it, start it that way. This is Krista. Or, you know, sometimes with like a customer service, they'll put like the initials at the end. K-E. Maybe we should do that. Do that. I mean, it's kind of no point because you actually don't do anything on social media. You can just but... put KK. Yeah. Like K and K. K and K yeah. for everything. Oh, that's so annoying. <laughs> you don't know real fast. This is Kit and Krista. Yeah. Every, on today's every time. episode, we'll be still us. We're still here. Is still Kit and yeah. Krista. All right, maybe that's maybe that's not the best. This idea. is Miyamoto. Though. But that could be a good uh, warm up to this here big discussion that we're yeah. about to have. Yeah. Because yeah. of course we we put out that video. We got a lot of comments from all of you. Which got us thinking about this topic. It's true. That is kind of the reason why we yeah. are doing this big topic in, in the podcast was, right. was reading through some of the reactions yeah, on our video and just in really general interested. Uh, that day. Yeah. 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 It's, it's definitely polarizing, I think. Yeah. All right. We, we are just about to start that conversation. But first, we have to thank our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, we're getting close to the end of the year, which can mean different things to different mm -hmm. people. Yeah. I am one of the people who, even when you start to get close to Christmas, gets a little bit sad. You get like the post-Christmas Right, because I love early. Christmas so much. Yeah. You, you, it's natural to start to think like, oh, this is going to be ending soon. It's going to be back to normal, boring stuff. In the first part Podcasting of Podcasting with Krista. Ugh, hey, geez. I put the sparkle I, in your life. But I do get sad. 
Yeah, I, I do understand that. And I think this, the holidays is very bittersweet for a lot of people. You know, of course, we have great memories uh, of this time of year, all of us do, but there's also, you know, maybe some not so great memories and, and you know, seasonal blues or... Could be stresses, stresses. of dealing with family mm -hmm. who kind of come out and expectations around yes. that. So these are all examples of things where therapy can be a bright spot amid, right. um, you know, what can be either uh, a very exciting but also a very mm -hmm. challenging time too. Yeah, it definitely gives you tools to manage everything that's going on with how you're feeling and can make you feel more grounded as well. Yeah, and that's something that we have been doing. It is very easy to get matched up with a therapist. You do a brief questionnaire and then you can meet with them on video, you can meet with them on audio, you can even do it on text only. You're entirely yeah. in control of what those interactions look like. And while you're busy during the holiday season, this is a great way to have a very flexible way to be able to engage with your therapist. Yeah. So find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Kit and Krista today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Kit and Krista. We'll put the link right over here and also in the description below. Yes. All right. All right, Zelda movie. Yes. Let's have this talk. Yes. We have a couple of topics that we want to get into. And again, this is a lot of comments that we were reading, you know, from right. the different reaction videos that were coming out, the, the news of last week. And just, I think people are very passionate about Ah, what their as they should be as they should be as they should be what their expectations are for this movie and that that could just be some some major landmines you know for Nintendo that right we might and you know that you guys know how Nintendo is you know they're very like we just do our own thing like we don't care um, but these landmines can can be really bad in time in terms of like how fans will react and how the brand will sustain yeah. this kind of conversation. Now that we are past it, you know, the Mario movie really was a perfect first project for them to get right. into movies. You know, there were some rocky moments along the way, all the Chris Pratt uh, hijinks. That was mm -hmm. definitely a big one uh, yeah. for us all to get past. But in the end, it all worked out, I think. Right, right. You know, they had a perfect partner in Illumination, mm -hmm. who I think they really shared a great creative vision with, who had a very good track record, who could be kind of an equal eye-to-eye -eye partner with Mr. Miyamoto and everybody mm -hmm. else in, in bringing this to life. Right. Um, you know, they had the Mario series, which is in some ways a bit of a blank slate for a movie. because yeah, story-wise, like, there's not really a story that exists. Yeah. Character-wise, they're sort of, you know, they're very generic characters, so they're a bit of a blank slate as yeah, you well can for you do, to write some stuff into. You kind of do what you want. There's no, like, real hard expectation from the Mario fan base of, like, oh, my God, if this doesn't happen, I'm going to cry. Yeah. I'm going to be so disappointed. I think the other thing about, uh, you know, sort of the difference between expectations around a Mario movie versus a Zelda movie is there is this, you know sort of very more more for kids kind of aspect to the Mario movie. And I feel like that gives people, they're more lenient, I guess, mm. on, on that kind of movie expectation. Whereas you don't have that with the Zelda. No. You don't have any of these things with the Zelda no, movie. No, you really which, don't. Which makes it tricky. No. So I think one of the big, like, questions that that everybody should ask themselves like before we even get into some of these other topics is like who is this movie for and like right. what why is nintendo doing this movie what are they hoping to achieve with this movie beyond just making a billion dollars mm -hmm. like, what what is the point yeah 
and we talked about this a little bit, and we talked about this with, when the Mario movie came out, and, and now we've seen this like in hard data, where it is Nintendo's top priority, and this was a thing that was already ongoing when we were at the company, um, to expand the audience so that they have the ability to have people engage with the Nintendo brand in ways that are beyond video games. Like that whole concept of like the IP expansion was one of the major business pillars for Nintendo. And I, I think that, you know, the Mario movie was obviously that, you know, Super Nintendo World was that. The Zelda movie is also that. Mm -hmm. Even though I think the appeal of Mario is much wider than Zelda, um, than the Zelda franchise, I think that the, the goal for Nintendo is still like, how do we get more people that don't play Zelda games and aren't familiar with the most recent, you know, game that came out? Um, familiar and interested in Zelda. And I think that's the goal of this movie. Yeah, even though the Zelda series has had this huge explosion with the last two games of, you know, 30 million sold, 20 million sold, on the way to 30 million sold, you know, Nintendo would love that to be 50 million. Like, why not? Mm -hmm. Why not make this, you know, the biggest game out there? And, you know, you're not really going to accomplish that. How are, you, how are you finding those 20 million new people? Right. It's not by making the most like lore heavy, fan service heavy Zelda movie out there. You are probably going to be making something that is a bit more down the middle, mm -hmm. something that is a bit more attuned with just mainstream tastes. Yeah. So. And even the 20 million, 30 million games Breath of the Wild Tears of the Kingdom sold, those were really, they, those were really sold to like, Nintendo fans, Zelda fans. Video game fans video in games. general, right. Yeah, you're not like selling it. It's not like the Wii bowling phenomenon where yeah, like grandma yeah. in the retirement home is playing Breath of the Wild. Maybe grandma is, I don't know. But People say we have a thing against grandma. I love my we grandma. We bring up grandma so much. I love my grandma. I hope that she plays Breath of the Wild. Grandmas are approved. She's here. Not <laughs> <laughs> she can barely see. So she's not but you know what I mean? Like, it's not like that right. kind of phenomenon that right. Nintendo always right. wants. This expansion of their mm -hmm. audience is what they're always after yeah. for everything. Um, and this is not uh, anything out of the ordinary. Right. So you're right. So it's I think that's that's just like a very upfront, tough pill for people to swallow. Who right. are like, I've been with this series for almost 40 years. Right, right. Where you actually like, oh, this actually isn't for me. <laughs> Yeah. That's hard. It's not made for you yeah. at all. Like the person that has spent, you know, countless hours delving into the most confusing thing ever, which is the Zelda timeline, the, the person that is has played every single Zelda game ever, like they don't think this movie is for you. Um, and that can, that can hurt a little bit, you know? Because again, yeah. Mario is very like, everybody plays, everyone has some interaction with Mario. It's an easier entry point. Mm-hmm. Versus Zelda, they need to make that entry point. Like, that bar needs to be so low for people to be able to, like, get on board. Right, right. That I think this movie is going to be, like, real basic. Yeah. Um, and all the things that Zelda fans love, like the deep lore, and when we get excited about things on the walls and temples, like, I don't know if that stuff is going to be there, you know? And if you get into a place where, you know, this does well and you're talking about sequels or a franchise, you know, maybe you could see more of that right. later. But just up front, as far as establishing it, you know, what what is this? Right. Who's, wait, Zelda's not the guy? What? Right. Like, <laughs> we 
got to answer that question <laughs> first. We yeah. really do. Like, let's yeah. Back, let's back up a little bit. You really have to set the foundation for what this universe right, is. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to a question that we talked about in depth in our video when this was first announced around the creative team. Mm -hmm. So we sort of talked about the three main non-Nintendo people in, who were kind of in addition to Mr. Miyamoto flagged as, as you know, heading this video, this movie up. Yeah. Avi Arad, Wes Ball, um, who's the director, and Derek Connolly, who's the writer. You know, now that we're like a week-ish removed, mm -hmm. have your feelings on this changed? I was just thinking that like, since Mr. Miyamoto is so involved, Nintendo is so, so involved, I think there, if there's any shortcomings in terms of quality, the Nintendo team will be that safety net. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're now we're, we're talking beyond like whether or not you're gonna like the story because I think the story is gonna be basic and that's fine. But in terms of like the Nintendo quality of like making a good movie, as as like we they made a good Mario movie, I do think that there's a pretty big safety net with Mr. Miyamoto and the Nintendo team being involved. But whether or not we have a lot of confidence in um, these three, I, I think that all of them definitely have like, I can see why they were potentially chosen for this. They have expertise in some of these areas that's key to making this kind of video game property come to life. But they also have some glaring, you know, Neg negative points in their careers as well. And a lot of people pointed that out, like like the the Mobius or Morbius movie or whatever. Was Morbin like, time. Was horrible. Yeah. Um, I didn't watch that movie. What? But uh, you watched it? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, really? Um, so yeah, there, there's definitely like glaring things like, oh, that, that was a flop, you know? Um, but with the Nintendo team on board, I'm hoping that that safety net is pretty big. What do you think? So kind of going backwards from this, so Derek Connolly, who's the writer, you know, got a lot of like, you know, big blockbusters that were, you know, pretty critically panned. Right. I don't think that's his fault. Again, like he's kind of, hey, write this, or here's here's the outline, write something that fits into this. Like right. I think the writing is something that's very moldable. Yeah. And, and you can give rounds and rounds of feedback along the way. Right, so right, right. I, I don't get too worried about that. West Ball, again, I still have not seen any of these Maze Runner movies. Are those, are those very CG-heavy movies, would you they say? They are. They're very CG-heavy right. movies. Right, I saw... They're in, like a, like, a video game world kind of thing. Yeah, I was... Of, listening, um, yeah. Nintendo, uh, Wood and Bob, they, they did a, a big discussion on this, and they were saying those movies are pretty CG-heavy, right. so that might be one of the reasons... Exactly. ...why they went down this direction. Mm, that mm -hmm. was a good conversation. You should listen to yeah, that, but yeah. just listen to this first. Um, Again, not super experienced, but I there's nothing here that's leading me to be concerned necessarily about it. It's Avi Arad's the one where I do get a little iffy because you know it seems like his whole MO is like, well, we're gonna make these hit movies, whether they're good or bad, I don't really care. And some are good and some are bad. Like he's he's probably got more stinkers than good ones, but he does have some good ones, but I'm not sure that's you know what's driving him. He's like, Yeah, we're gonna make a hit. Which I yeah. guess if you're the producer, that's your ultimate that's the most important thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, right. But I do want, like, you know, again, you think back to the relationship that Mr. Miyamoto had with Chris Melodondri, a.k.a. Steve Ballmer. <laughs> that was a, that seemed like a really special relationship. Yeah, that was they really understood each other. That was rooted yeah. in this kind of creative, eye-to-eye -eye vision. 
and illumination, having all this experience, like that felt really good. And that just gave me a lot of confidence where I was mm -hmm. like, I'm, what, I'm like, what does he see? It's like asking me like, so he's like, what, what does he see in this girl he's dating? Like, I know, what? it's so true. <laughs> it, it is like a best friend, right. like looking at his best friend dating some, right. someone like and now, saying like, what is, what do you see in this now person? Now it's come out and said they've been talking for 10 years about this. Like, is it just persistence? What, what, what is it? He's a very good judge of character, I know, Mr. But, Miyamoto is. But I, I, I guess I'm, I'm a little uncertain on this specific this just, relationship. This is just like a relationship where you don't know what happens behind closed doors. Mm. They could have a really good connection. That sparks, we're not, we're sparks not, flying. Sparks are, they're, they're on a bearskin rug and sparks are flying. I don't know. <laughs> Anything is possible in front of a crackling fire, guys. Wow. But I'm just saying, like, there, there could be some sort of creative simpatico that's happening that we're not yeah, seeing. Yeah. And it, I will say that the last Spider-Man movie was very good. He was on that one? Yes. The, the Tom Holland one. Correct. And he has been involved in the Spider-Verse movies as well. So, again, it's not like he's, like, you know, it's a, not all a complete speakers. train wreck. Yeah, right. there's definitely some right. that are not great. He has, he has shown an interest in video games for some time. I, th I recall, I, I'm saying this without doing my research, which could be dangerous, but I do recall like a long time ago, he was talking to like Namco, like maybe we could make a Pac-Man movie. Oh. I think he's had this long-term interest. In turning video in, game in properties gaming? into movies. Yeah. I don't, I don't know like what is prompting that. Mm -hmm. Like, is he some secret game head, like whatever, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's good. If he has like a deeper relationship with video games and he, he truly right. has like an understanding of the Zelda series, that's that only could be a good thing. Yeah, and again, you know? we, did, we did find this, this interesting blurb uh, about when the Sony Pictures hack happened in 2014 right. about how he thought he was getting the Mario movie rights and... Yeah. You know, maybe, you know, had the rug pulled out from him, but was doing these extensive negotiations with Nintendo. So that's the one where I just get a little, I'm not sold on this. Yeah. This one piece of it. But I mean, I think ultimately the West Ball and, you know, the actual true creatives are maybe going to play a bigger role mm. as we actually get further into yeah. this. Yeah. And again, big safety net. Yeah. Really big. Like, really big. So I feel right, and like, that's why, and that's why they are, you know, more than half financing this movie. Which right. is, they, if they, again, if there's some sort of creative dispute, they can, they say, can say, "Well, we have the that's money. what the money's we for. We're doing, we're going to do it this way." Right. right. I okay. have another big question that we did not ask ourselves in the last video, but we probably should have. Which is, why isn't Universal making this movie? I know, right? The more I think about this, the it, more troubling it is, it is. Strange. Do you, I mean, they have, they must have a giant team. Like, I was thinking at first, like, oh, maybe they really want them to concentrate on the next Mario movie, but that's a probably different team. Or I've seen people saying, like, oh, well, they altogether. wanted live action, so they didn't do it. Universal is a big studio. They make all sorts that's of movies. They too. can make like, any kind of movie you want. They can make want. any movie you right. want, and you already have, like, sort of this existing trust and relationship with them. So why, why Sony? You know, why? Right, and I wonder, I was also thinking, like, long-term with the theme park, like, does this limit what might happen with a Zelda part, oh. part of the theme park? Yes. If it's like, well, you've gone in this, you burn this bridge now, where we don't want, keep the Zelda nonsense stuff out of here. Out of the Sony Pictures nonsense, I don't want any of that mm. here. Like, you could have really cemented this 360 kind of post-games. What does it look like? You know, entity. Yeah. By, by firming up that relationship. Yeah. So it does stand out to me. As, and then there's like, you know, 
it's, it, I don't think it's a big deal, but there's the whole like Sony versus Nintendo and gaming right. piece that I'm sure was at, at minimum a very long conversation. There's definitely some big discussions that was had. And I, again, I come back to this, you know, 10 years of conversations that Avi Arad's had with Mr. Miyamoto. Like there, that must have been something to push him Right, into this Past direction. just continuing the universal relationship. Yeah. Especially Which, again, is, is, is a little confounding to me. Definitely. I think that, yeah, it, it is a very strange sort of path to take. The only other thing I can think of when I was thinking about this question is maybe they just were nervous about giving their IP sort of wholeheartedly, mm. wholesale, to one other partner. Like, they want to diversify uh. that in case, like, something goes... South? I don't know. Well, could go south. The uh, long-awaited Smash Brothers movie. I guess that's toast. <laughs> this is. I mean, this is what Marvel. This is what happened to Marvel, which was like they, <sighs> you know, they farmed out these IPs to these different studios, and then once they finally got going, they're like, oh, we don't have the X Men. We don't have Spider Man. Right. Shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Then then it becomes like an IP. <laughs> so I am. I imagine that was license just, deal. I imagine that was just not a priority for them. Like the Smash Brothers movie not going to happen. Why would you make a Smash Brothers That's, movie? Give me a break. Yeah, but it does. You know, yeah. awful business buzzword is synergy. Like I do think there is some synergy of having mm -hmm. it all, especially since you have this physical manifestation of everything in the theme parks. Right. Just, it just felt a little strange. Could be also that they really do want to keep Mario and Zelda very separate from a, from like a how the general audience views it. But Mario, I don't think the general Mario audience is knows. This like cartoony, you know, like, oh, Universal kid movie. Thing. I'm not going to see that. I don't know. I'm Nobody just, like people don't think that way. I'm just grasping at random things that because I I do feel like this is a very strange thing that has happened. And I wonder how Universal is actually feeling about it, too. They must feel a little bit hurt, I think. Yeah. Um, but I'm just thinking, like, the, these could be, like, the wild reasons that Nintendo came up with to yeah. not go in that direction. So maybe, that, like, I could see that being asked at some investor Q&A. Somebody should ask this question. Do you want to go to the investor why, why is Why is Universal <laughs> not making this movie? We should do a Kickstarter where we become, like, like a part owner. <laughs> we'll, we'll ask your question. We'll ask your question yes. if you pay for I think you Patreon can, perk. Yeah, you can, but we need money. You need, like, $200,000. We'll fly to Japan. We'll go to Japan and tap our feet and ask the real questions. That'd be fun. Don't That'd smash be, that sake barrel yet, Mr. Furukawa. We're, we're going we're gonna to vlog it for you I got a real zinger for you. That could be fun. That could be really fun. Okay, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Um, another big, again, you know, along these lines of universal, yeah. a big question that I've seen people asking is what, should this have been yeah. an animated movie? Right. A lot of people were Versus really live disappointed action. that this is not sort of a Studio Ghibli style animated movie, which I would have loved, honestly. Okay. So I'm glad that you said that because I have seen a lot of people saying this. I was unable myself to imagine what... What, what, what is the style they would be going after? Mm. So so Ghibli sounds like, in, that, in your mind, the yeah. clear and I cut. think a lot of people have said that, too. Like, we would we would really love to is see it. Is there anybody movie. besides Studio Ghibli making 2D animation these days, though? Like, that does not strike me as, like, a, a mm -hmm. super, like, bankable, marketable... Disney. Big, they're actually they're still doing it? Disney has some, yeah. Okay. Because I was thinking, I was like, I, I just thought, like, oh, it must be, you know, some CG type thing. But I couldn't think in my mind of like, what's yeah. a movie like Zelda that's animated that way? Mm -hmm. I couldn't think of one. Yeah, definitely the style lends itself really well to the vibe of a Zelda movie. I think. I think that's why people were asking for something like that. Right. 
Um, yeah, I mean Disney Pixar, you could you could do that style. It could be very, that would look that would be more like a Toon Link, maybe like a Wind Waker style. Yeah, it, it, it didn't it didn't strike me as as a super obvious match. Right. Between right. you know the subject matter mm -hmm. and the medium. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I so the, here's the thing. I think that live action you just open the door for so many possibilities of failure. Mm -hmm. There's so many ways a live action movie can look really cheesy and stupid, and the casting could just go wrong in so many ways because, yeah, you thought Chris Pratt's voice was gonna be an issue for you in the Mario movie. Imagine like an actor you dislike. Now he's Link. It's just Chris Pratt and Anya Taylor Joy <laughs> as Link and Zelda. Um, the but, second one I'm actually wouldn't be mad at. <laughs> she could be okay. She needs to gain some weight. Like she's a little too skinny. Let's move on. She is. <laughs> like, eat, eat a cheeseburger or something. <laughs> My God. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm understanding the Ghibli comparison yeah. more, but but again, I I don't think that's the type of movie that they're wanting to do for this. Yeah. Like that that yeah. is that is not the mainstream blockbuster that they want. Exactly. To that and that's probably why they didn't go the 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 Ghibli style animation route. Okay. They want it to be more mainstream. Um but but again, I think if you do an animated movie, you're just you're like making it easier on yourself, honestly. Like you're just making it much easier to not distract people with things like bad casting, bad acting. Like, you know, like bad CG graphics. Like you, you kind of limit, you're like eliminate those barriers a little bit. And okay. people can maybe focus more on like, you know, the, the stuff that you want them to focus on. Like, if anybody you know. out there, again, has any comparisons for other CG movies that are kind of tonally close mm. to Zelda, I would please leave a comment. I, I'm very curious yeah. to know. Yeah. This next one, I want to get your, I'm, I'm, I'm eager to hear your thoughts on this, mm -hmm. which is just the tone yeah. of the movie that they're going to take. So if you watch yeah. any of the big trailers for the last two games, like the trailers that, that people- Very serious. Have people, you would think this is the most serious thing I have people ever are seen. crying, I cry. Like the music's like going crazy. Yeah, it's like, got like dramatic, intense, tears. people crying, like- yeah, demons everywhere. Yeah. But when you actually play a Zelda game, it's kind of goofy. Yeah, you so have So how like do you thread that? Of, how do you thread that needle? You have a lot of goofy characters. It's goofy and there's like goofy moments, goofy characters, goofy things that happen. Mhm. Mm how do you thread that needle in a live action movie? I exactly. That's going to be if you can't do that right, it's going to fail. Right. Like if like if the jokes don't because land, you're trying to put a little comic relief in, that might not go well so well. Because people I mean, fantasy in live action is typically pretty serious. You've got like Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones. Like, this is serious. There's no jokes. There's yeah. no jokes. But this is not going to be that. Yeah. Your shirt reminded me of the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Oh. Oh, you watched that. And I watched that yes. on the airplane. It's a live action. I mean, God forbid you actually play a game of Dungeons and Dragons with me. Whenever you want to invite I'm just, me to I'm play just a game, left to wear the shirt. Would you like to play in our beautiful new studio? Great, space let's where do we it. We can actually do that. Great. Would you like to spend I would some love time to. with me to play? Yes. Hit Great. stop on this podcast. We're going to go. We're going to do that right now. We'll see you guys later. <laughs> just kidding. Keep listening. Um, that movie was hilarious, and it was a fantasy. Okay. Live action movie. That's a, that's an that's an interesting. I had that on the background in an airplane. Yeah, that's I, an interesting I'm not comparison. Sure, but that could be. Yes. Finish your thought, please. Would you like? To I just want to jump. I want to jump in. You really after, can't. After you finish, though. 
I just, I was just thinking like, I would like it to be a little more serious than the Dungeons and Dragons movie, which was like very comedy heavy. Okay. Um, because there are some very emotional moments in Zelda and in, in the lore of Zelda that would be great to see it come through if it can if they can do it right and those moments like hit like that could be really cool to see on the big silver screen or whatever. But um, but I can see them putting in some like comic relief, you know, with some of the characters. Where's the tingle? Where's the because yeah if. If this Zelda movie is kind of along the lines of that D&D movie, are fans going to be mad at that? Might be. What, what, what is the tone that fans will not be mad at? Serious. Just straight Twilight, Twilight Princess, Princess, like stone face. This is, this is dead serious from beginning to end. I think so. That's not what Zelda is to me. And maybe that's why that that's game why did not click with like me so game. much. And that's why it's goofy. That's... Getting chased by chickens. Cuckoos, excuse me, not chickens. Cuckoos. Somebody got somebody got in trouble at Nintendo about that once. Oh, that's true. They're not chickens. They're, they're not cuckoos. Chicken, they're cuckoos. Big trouble. They got yelled at. Big in trouble. A meeting, straight, straight to detention. You never catch me making that mistake. <laughs> um, yeah, I think people want like the emotional, like dark fantasy Zelda, but instead we get stuff like you're being chased by cuckoos and you. Help but you like that in Zelda I do. too. I do. So I so I just a sign and it's. I just think this is such. A almost impossible assignment here. Yes. Which is like, what do you want? I want both of these, but if it's too much of one or the other, I'm gonna be mad. Yeah, it's so true. I don't know how you do that. This is very, that's why the series is so hard to make into a movie. I just don't know how they're gonna do it right. Cause yeah, if those, both things need to land and then coexist for it to work. You need to have an emotional moment make you cry, make people cry. You need to have a moment of humor that make people <laughs> so laugh. So you're getting just increasingly panicked as we have this conversation. I know. I, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm really very, setting you off here. I'm a really open-minded movie person. Like, I have the lowest threshold for bad movies. So I'm not the one that's going to be, like, just throwing something Well, this is not screen. your latest trash, like, Netflix reality show. This I'm is not a big there deal. Yet. I'm not there yet. I can't think about it. So much right now because I think well, let's, let's keep going. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep you wound up here. All right. But yeah, you have to land both things perfectly. Here's the next thing for people to get potentially concerned about. People are saying, "Oh, well, this is good in comparison to the Mario movie. They'll really be able to spend a lot more time on the story, build out more of a story." Whereas the Mario movie is like, is whatever. It's like you know, goofy things happen. Yeah. They find and also blank slate, like you were saying before. Right. Yeah. Uh, yes, but. Is Mr. Miyamoto, is he known to be Mr. Story? No. <laughs> he's known to be a lot of things. He's, he's the guy who, who tends to downplay the story. Famously, he's the person where whenever you would ask a question about story, and he's like, I don't care. He is gameplay first. Game, gameplay he is gameplay first. Obviously, in a movie, yeah. you have to, you all you got is the story. Yeah. But I do think that's a strange you know, just reality yeah. that we're in here. Maybe he's kept a story about Zelda in his head this whole time, and this is his chance to finally like tell it. I don't know. Maybe he's thought about this right. his because whole it, life. Anytime he, made, it, he like started this. Anytime we would ask him or see people ask him these questions that are about the story or the lore or whatever, like his reaction was very clearly, "I don't care," and "I don't know." I don't know, and I don't care. I'm going to yeah. make something up on the spot right. that people are going to take way too seriously. Right. But honestly, I don't care. And that's why there were so many disparate, like disparities within like 
the lore. Right. Because he just made something up. Right. Like during that interview or during that moment. Um, what's uh, what's Mario's care. last name? Uh, uh, it's Mario. Mario. <laughs> Mario, Mario. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. Do you think on this topic of story? I'm getting you so wound up, and I'm so happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the representation of like the Zelda fan, like right now, just freaking out. Um, do you think that there's other people on like the current Zelda team that's helping to advise as well? They must, right? I, like, I, is Mr. Fujibayashi and Mr. Aonuma yeah. like also super, super involved? I would like to hear more about this. I'm sure they are, but in what capacity? Right. And I mean, Miyamoto's going to have the final say. Of course. So but I'm like, just wondering he's like, I can't keep track of this. Because, yeah. People aren't going to care. Like, he could just, you know, exit out. Right, because for sure, like, Miyamoto is less connected to the day-to-day -day of right. Zelda the, the, at this time now. Like, it's really Fujibayashi and right. Onuma um, that are, like, doing the stuff. And also that, that made the hits, um, made, made the, you know, the current Zelda a hit, so maybe they should be consulted. But there seems this. to be even... <laughs> Even among, you know, Zelda fans, a lot of mixed feelings of the story of these games. Like, do they deliver? Do they pay off? Are there inconsistencies? Like, even people have even found, like, caught Fujibayashi saying things that are, like, mm -hmm. where he's, like, making stuff up on the fly. Yeah. So it's interesting that Zelda gets this rep for being, like, oh, this is such a story-heavy series. I'm not sure it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's really interesting that it sort of, like, became an expectation for it to be a story-heavy series, even though it never was intended to be that way. But because it's set in this world, because you're introducing these characters, that these characters are actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like, you know, and then we like sort of the Zelda fans, like we filled in our own blanks kind of along the way. Right. And made it into this big narrative-driven thing when truly it's not. But now we're, we're like, really in on this narrative-driven right. thing. You know, like, we cannot have... And then, like, there's there's moments in these Zelda games that give you this tease of it being a narrative thing. Like, when you, when Zelda's, like, crying in the woods, mm -hmm. you know, when you have these kinds of emotional payoffs, you're like, oh, yeah, they, they do want to make this into a narrative thing. And then, like, you get disappointed every time, basically. So it's just interesting that it's going to be a movie which is, like, all story for, like, two right. and a half hours. So, so let's see how it goes. You know, Miyamoto making a Mario movie. Cool. It's just, you know, whimsy from yeah, beginning to end. Yeah, fan service. Miyamoto doing this theme park. Great. There are some parallels to a game there. Miyamoto doing the Zelda movie where there's this big expectation for there to be this great story. Maybe he <sighs> needs to study the timeline a little bit. <laughs> he needs to get some YouTube videos going. Does he need to watch the make this Make this man a playlist. Make him a playlist. <laughs> get him a Zeltic subscription Call ASAP. Realms. Please. Please fly to Japan. <laughs> I'm calling you out. Zelda Universe. The entire Zelda Universe. Please help this man. Um, um. Speaking of that, <laughs> the next thing that you're going to love to talk about so we do have the Zelda timeline. Oh my god. Which I am always so baffled that they even published in that book. I know. Because it felt so cobbled together. It is. And it's something that honestly was not taken that seriously within, within Nintendo. Yeah. And was certainly, with you know, as, as part of marketing, never a talking point. No. For us. What Except is that? Except for the one time with Skyward Sword the one, they, the they one were time. like, you can talk about the story. We're the like, one really? Time. The one time. <laughs> What is the expectation, do you think, of this game setting up some oh or, or acknowledging oh the place in the timeline or being a new entry in the place in the timeline? This is going to drive people 
insane. You know who's going to really drive insane? Me. Because I don't care. Well, you don't care, but... <laughs> I think this timeline it's is going to be super confusing. Yeah. It's going it, to... I mean, the timeline has been set up, again, set up to fail because it's not a timeline that actually exists. It was cobbled together from random, like, one-off comments and then, of course, like, the fan reaction to it. So now it makes no sense. It's, like, really bad because it makes no sense at all. So to write a story that makes sense within this timeline is near impossible. So I think that they just they should just throw it all away right. and have the movie be whatever the a new, new timeline. timeline. Oh, we have two timelines now. No, just throw that. That one doesn't But exist the first anymore. timeline branches. We, so no. this is like 2A, 2B? No, we, we cannot have a branching. No. We're, we're in the negative doing, timeline. We're not doing. We're, the negative this zone. This is like, like, like the, the, what is it called? Like P0. Huh? Like the, the, the start. Okay. Because they can't, they can't do, they need something to throw away this timeline. Because this timeline is terrible and it, it's confusing and stupid, so. But as far, you, should it adhere at all? So you want it to have nothing to do with the existing timeline? Correct. Okay. I, I think that's the only way you can do it or else what are you going to do? I think you just don't. Acknowledge it's, it at It's all. its own thing. Don't, don't try and do a breadcrumb about the timeline. Oh my God. It's just its own thing. But it's either way, people bad. are going to be mad going to be bad. Either way, people are going to be mad. That's just, there's just another fat hand grenade that it's they're gonna rolling a, out there. It's going to be a real basic, though. It's going to be like... They're going to be like, remember when... Yeah. Did you know this was covered in water? But, you know, thousands of years? Thousands something of, yeah, like something that? Something yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, this was in the huh? sky or something. Yeah. Like, right. whatever. Look in the sky. Look in the yeah. sky. Something look, like look that. Look underground. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be bad. It's going to be... Really, like again, this is the thing when, when you don't focus on story at all and you let people's little brains figure it out on their own, this is what they come up with. Now you have to deal with it because you're making a movie. <laughs> it's gonna be bad. It's not too late for people to just punch out of this timeline like I have. Just be like, I, I have no concerns well, about I this, they, I don't, they, they I don't this, think about this. If they make this movie as a, as a way to like say, like, Look, this is what it is now, people might have an easier time no, punching out. No. Punched out. I've tried to. I've watched leading up to to uh, Tears of the Kingdom. I watched so many videos on this, and I was like, "This is gibberish." I did. Well, yeah. This is nonsense. This is like. I can't believe that they put that out in that book. What were they thinking? <sighs> Whatever. Uh, last point, and maybe the biggest point: Link, Link speaking. So, I put out a tweet which was very interesting. Okay. Which was saying, you know, when Link speaks. In, in a trailer, or whenever we hear this happen first, it's gonna make the Chris Pratt casting reaction look like child's play. Right. And I got so many responses from people saying, he's not gonna speak. That's not what Link does. Oh my gosh. I regret Are to you inform you. Are serious right now? Link will be speaking in this movie. <laughs> Dude, we have to have some real talk people. <laughs> but there were a lot of people who said this. Or like, they can't do that. This is why this movie is going to be so <laughs> polarizing. I mean, I, I, there are people that have said, like, Link's spoken in the cartoons. You know, he's done the goofy cartoon Link stuff. Um, but, yeah, the people that think that Link will not speak in this movie, I think you need to have a real, like, hard look at yourself and, well, and I, come I, to again, terms with I it. I just go back to our first question. Who is this movie for? It's for people who expect their main character to speak in a movie. <laughs> which is 99% of the audience. It's going to be for people that have a very limited... Can you imagine the reviews of a movie where it's like, well, this seemed like a cool movie, but the main character didn't speak, and that was weird. I just don't understand. 
I just don't understand. Yes, he's gonna. He's definitely gonna speak. He's gonna speak, um, and it's gonna be crazy. And the person that they cast, no matter who they cast, no matter no matter who this person is, we're gonna hate him. That, that's matter. the fact. It doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter if it's the person that you picked that you like. You're not gonna like it. When we get our little Chris Pratt reveal of the cast, and it's all the little Hollywood headshots, people are gonna make. Here's what's gonna happen. People are gonna make like AI voice samples of Link saying Link things. these Link things of the, in that person's voice. That's yeah. what's gonna happen. So, yeah, I mean, this is this is supposed to be a big movie. This is not the Charlie Chaplin era anymore. Silent <laughs> we're not a, we're not making a silent film. We want this to be a big hit. There are ways within the story that you can address this. When we did our video casting, I thought your way of addressing this was good. I came up with a genius solution, if yeah. I if I dare say myself. <laughs> Don't give it to them. I'm not going to say. But there are They're creative steal your idea. there are creative ways to introduce this and to get Link speaking. Yes. Hopefully they do something like that. I think that would be a nice little gesture. nod and gesture yeah. um, versus him just, you know, out of the gate, yeah. you know, chatting it up. But this is just one of many expectations, I think, that yeah. are going to be challenged and are going to get people upset. And I'm not trying to be, like, dismissive or glib about any of these. I'm just, like... I just want people to start thinking about these things so that right. when they happen, they're not so caught off guard. Right, right. I want this movie to be good. I'm a huge Zelda fan, you guys know. I would give anything for this movie to be like... Anything? To be really? amazing, you know? Like, of course. I want my favorite, you know, game that I've played since I was a kid and the movie to come out. And I want it to be good, obviously. But I think there's so many things... There's so many expectation management things for a, like a, you know, like a like a deep Zelda fan to have. So you should just manage Ruff, those. roughly an hour and a half of Zelda movie <laughs> coming to a theater near you, roughly. Please. <laughs> roughly ninety minutes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Roughly, we need to manage our expectations. So I'm starting to manage my expectations now by like talking about all this stuff. If there's anything you want to mute on social media, might just don't I know. want to go ahead and do that. Just do it because it might Get annoy you. Yeah, it might annoy you. Um, but yeah, I, I that's what I'm doing. That this is a very you know cathartic conversation because I worry about these things too. Right. And I want to just get it out there. And I want to I want to tell myself like I want to, you know, help myself get to a place where like I understand who this movie is for and why it's like this. Yeah, I think it just underscores like how many degrees harder this movie is than the Mario movie oh my gosh. to get right. Totally. Totally. Yes, you have a poll. Yes, we asked uh, our Patreon subscribers um, just how they're feeling about it now based on what we know. So not, not what you expect it will be, just based on the information we have now. 55% of people took the reasonable route and said I need more information mm. to figure out how I feel about it. I would put myself in that camp too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 25% of people said I'm optimistic that the movie will be good. Good. 13% to counter that said it's gonna suck, sad face. And 7% says the casting will make or break it. Yeah. That's also a big part. Yeah, yeah. Because live action. Yeah. Wario Tush said, I would love to be proven wrong, but Nintendo is aligning with a producer who has made many more bad movies than good ones and a writer who made Jurassic World, not my cup of tea. Have you seen that? Any of these recent Jurassic 
Park movies. I might have seen Jurassic World on the airplane, but I probably wasn't paying I, I haven't seen them, but I know people don't like them. Chris Pratt is the, the common line mm. there. The Mario movie got by on being very pretty to look at and having lots of fun references, yeah. which overcame a relative dud in the story department. A Zelda movie won't have the same luxury. Again, though, please pr prove me wrong. Okay? Joey says, I have a lot of thoughts, but I think the most important thing to remember is that Nintendo is taking the reins with this film just like they did with the Mario movie. That turned out to be pretty amazing, so I have faith that a Zelda movie will be no different. I'm sure Miyamoto understands that the Zelda franchise is far more about its storytelling than Mario ever was, so there's no way they'll skip on the plot here. Okay, very optimistic, Joey. I like it. And finally, Kaylee Rosenberger says... I'm going to pay to see it in theaters whether it sucks or not. I'm more so leaning towards it being an objectively bad movie due to the folks involved, but still a fun new way to experience Zelda. I think if it had a more serious tone, it could be well done, but I can already feel myself cringing at the humor they're inevitably mm -hmm. going to throw in. Excuse yes. me, princess! Oh, it's going to be a tingle moment. <laughs> tingle. <laughs> it's going to be a tingle moment, guys. Um, yeah, that's true. Definitely this, this, that, that line that we talked about, humor and seriousness, is going to be really, like, whether you like it and it hits or it just is a crickets in the room kind of situation. Yeah, huh? yeah. yeah. So as they've said, this is still a long, long yeah. ways off, probably years. Many, many years. I don't, I don't know if we get, you know, a single update on this in 2024. I wouldn't be shocked if yeah. that whole year passes and we don't. Yeah. So we can all settle into these thoughts and And hopes. come to terms with them. Yeah. Yeah. They'll give us some time to, before the next bombshell happens and we're like reeling once again. But I do think it's good to, to spend the time to think about, you know, what could be and what, you know, what Nintendo is actually trying to do. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully we accomplished a bit of that here today. Yeah. Uh, we have a whole bunch of new games that we're playing. Mm -hmm. But before then, I've got to shout out our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. Thank you. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Oh my gosh, we are in it right now. The busy, hectic holiday cooking season. The day this podcast comes out is a one week from Thanksgiving. Can and you believe that? No. <laughs> I'm already uh -oh. getting a little bit stressed out about all of the big Thanksgiving cooking that I'm on the hook for for my family dinner. Um, so I can't, I do not have the time or the mental space to think about what to do like every single day leading up to Thanksgiving. So I'm really glad to have HelloFresh. They have their wonderful 15 minute meals that's super easy to put together, delivered straight to your door, pre-proportioned ingredients. You don't have to go to the grocery store and fight the crazy crowds and have a nice meal. It's great. And if you do want to bolster whatever you're cooking at home, you can get things like a charcuterie board or a great dessert to add to the cooking that you're doing yourself. And yeah, there's over 45 weekly recipes. So you know, people say like, oh, you got to start cooking for Thanksgiving days in advance. Like, well, then who wants to make a dinner? Nobody. No, make a, make a super quick uh, yeah. HelloFresh dinner and uh, take it a little bit easy on yourself yeah. over the holidays. That's what we're saying. We all need a little break. Give her. Cut, our, cut ourselves some slack Give over the holidays. A break. Yes. Yeah, for sure. So go to HelloFresh.com slash KitKristaFree and use code KitKristaFree for free breakfast for life. 
One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash KitKristaFree with code KitKristaFree. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Free breakfast for life is amazing. It's a long time. That's a long time. That's good. Um, the link is right over here and also in the description. Go get your breakfast, people. Yum. This what we're playing section is jam-packed. I don't know how this happened. I don't know how this happened either, but we've both been like jamming on these games. Which I is great. want to begin with your impressions of Alan Wake 2, yes. which is a game I'm on I'm probably not gonna play. Mm -hmm. But I know it's a game that's been really high on your radar yeah. for a while. Yeah, I was super excited about this game when it was first announced. Um, I'm a big fan of Remedy. I loved Control. Yeah. Um, a lot and you might think this is weird for me because I'm a chicken <laughs> and usually I'm like terrified but this kind of game is like one that I can this is pretty much like the limit of what I can stand okay like this kind of survival horror like a bit psychological like it very it kind of reminds me of like the level of scary for Resident Evil yeah, I was gonna which, say, which I play as well I've, ne so. I've never played an Alan Wake game so how, how would you compare it in terms of that to Resident Evil I would say it's very similar in terms of scariness all right. Obviously, the gameplay is very different, but okay. the scariness factor is very similar to Resident Evil. The thing about this game that they do well, that they also do in Resident Evil, is your main character that you're playing feels capable. Like, you feel like you can survive it. Like, you can do this. Now, this was a big, huh, moment for me when you said that the main character in the Alan Wake video game is not Alan Wake. Well, you start out playing I don't as understand. A, yeah, I know, right? I was like, what? Um, so you start out playing as a different character. Um, you play as Saga, who is a FBI agent. And she gets, you know, she get, goes to this little town. It's like this creepy little small town, which is like the perfect vibe for this game. And you are basically um, trying to solve this case, this like really grotesque like murder case. Um, and then eventually, and if you don't want spoilers, maybe like check out this conversation. This is very light. I think I'm not spoiling too much, but eventually you do get to play as Alan Wake, oh. as, as the title of the game might suggest. Um, so you, you do eventually. But um, yeah, the, 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 you know, the, these are very like narrative-driven games, obviously. Um, it has like sort of this, this one especially has a very like LA Confidential kind of quality to it where you're like solving a case you're doing a lot of stuff where you're like, you know, putting together clues in your clue board, trying to figure out like where to go next and what is happening. Obviously there's scary, really scary things that are happening throughout this, but it has like a kind of detective, mm. solve a mystery kind of feel to it, which I love. Um, you know, I love like a good like Ace Attorney type of yeah. solve a mystery kind of thing. So it, it's perfect, like I like that kind of gameplay. Um, the the gameplay mechanic is really interesting. There's a lot to do with light, like the things that you're fighting are sensitive to light. I, re I remember from the videos of the first game that was kind of like hit the enemy with a flashlight right. and then you could shoot him. Right, exactly. So what you, if you shoot him without the flashlight? It, they, they take no damage. No damage. Okay. Yeah, they're like kind of like shadows. I see. So you need to um, activate, like sort of activate the enemy with the flashlight. So they kind of go with that whole thing, and they have they do a lot of really interesting like stuff with light like you get this item that lets you manipulate light that kind of changes the environment so they do a lot of like puzzle elements with light as well mm. there is some connection to control i saw that i was very i was so intrigued by that cool 
like in the very beginning when you're learning about like some of the characters, they mention like Quantico, which is like the big facility that you're kind of stuck in during when you play Control. Um, there's returning some returning characters from Control as well, which I was like, I feel like I know that guy. Mm. And then I was like, oh yeah, that's that guy from this thing. I was like, mm. I really love that, you know? And there's definitely that, the, the games that Remedy makes. Is it just a cameo or is there some like bigger overarching story there might play. be i've not finished the game yet so i don't know okay that's but interesting there's very interesting yeah. stuff that has to do with some of the elements that happened in control that may be huh. what's going on here because there's a lot of like mystery all right around what is like the root cause of yeah. what's yeah. happening um gosh the environments are just so well done and they, they just did a great job of like that that kind of atmospheric fear um, like part of the game kind of takes place in the woods. That's always scary, obviously. I did like that the first, the setting of the first game seemed to be this very like Pacific Northwest, yeah. like little little like trucker town exactly. almost. Is it the same? It is the same. I do like that yeah. setting a lot. I love the setting. It's so it's so perfect for it because it's like it is beautiful. I you know I would go for a hike in a yeah. place like this, but also it's like terrifying. <laughs> um, they have like this little town with a little diner, you know, yeah. and you see yeah. like little elements of that throughout the game. And then, and then there's sort of a, a, a shift, and you do, you are a more of like a gritty sort of city um, environment as well, mm. which is also scary in a different way. Like there's different kinds of fear things that happen there. Um, but yes, there there is. I, I will say that it's pretty scary. I, I've jumped. There's a lot of jump scares in this game, which would not be good for you because you're really scared of jump scares. I have like you know like. Jumped a lot yeah. while I'm playing, and I'm trying. How to are like, you playing this game? Do you have lights on? Sound, oh yeah. Sound like what are your uh, sound what are is, your accommodations for the fear? Sound is very low. Yeah. Lights are no fully headphones on. or no anything. Headphones. No headphones. Um, I got the dog. Okay. As protection, yeah. I have squealed multiple times and, and frightened the dog. It's okay though. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish that someone would invent something. Oh. Where it lets me cover my eyes but hold the controller. At just, the same use the controller. Time. just use the I've controller. Just use the controller. I've tried to do Make that. Make some sort of a screen I, I for your controller. I need a little like because I like to peek, so I can close my eyes quickly if something scares me. But I want to see, so like I just need a way to do that with like two like hands on the controller and peek. You I've know? shared this before. I'll share it again. My proven way for when I'm watching a movie in a movie theater <laughs> that has jump scares because it's it's often the sound that gets me. So I'll do like one of these where like I'll kind of slowly and then this finger will go into my ear. Uh-huh. So it's like You can't hear I can't it. I can't hear it as much. Okay. And that's usually okay. Oh really? No, I've never been nobody's ever nobody's ever called me out on this or noticed. But this finger just goes right into my ear hole, you see? <laughs> Your ear hole. Nobody can tell. Ew. Now I'm protected. <laughs> <laughs> they do a good job too with the timing of the jump scares, which is why it's called a jump scare because like you oh. think a jump scare is coming and then it doesn't come. Oh, and that's then it the comes. worst. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh. They, do that. they do that really well. They do that really, really well. Um, anyways, and the game is like the graphics. It's just like how do you do that? It just looks so like that. You get a lot of close-ups, like you know. L.A. Confidential, or no, L.A. LA Noir. L.A. Noir? L.A. Noir had okay. that where you like a close-up of the face expressions. Oh, yeah, yeah. They do a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and it's just very like, I'm like, how, do they, how are they doing this? This is really interesting. The lighting is really good, too. Huh. Like, it definitely has, like, because you're using lighting so right, much, like, right. it does a lot, you know, a lot of that. Yeah, it, it looks fantastic. I mean, it looks fantastic. So. Okay. So far, so good. I'm, like, maybe halfway through now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 
I have been playing Like a Dragon Gaiden. Call it Yakuza if you like. Mm. I still Don't do that a lot. Call it I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. So Gaiden in Japanese means like side story. So this mm. is not like the full-scale huge new Yakuza game, which is good because the actual full-scale new Yakuza game like is coming year. early next year yeah. with um, Infinite Wealth. And for when I was hearing about this game, I was like, why why are they doing this? What because you can really like burn out a player base with too much, you know? Right. So like, gosh, is this going to be too much? And earlier this year, we had another guide. Yeah, game. we had yeah. Uh, Ishin, Ishin. Yeah. before. So I was like, gosh, is this going to be too much? But I, I kind of like the, the idea of this. So in the last uh, Like a Dragon game, they had this kind of new character, but Kiryu eventually does, you know, become part of that story. So this is an entirely Kiryu story, mm, and it nice. does kind of happen in parallel with a lot of the events of that last game. And I think, you know, we'll kind of maybe lead into some of the events of the new game. Okay, so it's like a nice bridge. Right, so like there's um, one moment where, remember in the last game, um, Ichiban is at this like homeless encampment yes. in uh, Yokohama. And there's a moment where Kiryu is in that encampment mm -hmm. and they're like, oh, that guy over there, he got a gunshot wound and he's resting. Don't disturb him. Yeah. So like, like oh. I know he's there. Can I go? And I totally walked over to go. And they're like, you, should, no, you shouldn't disturb, disturb him. him. He's, he's resting. <laughs> so there's a lot of things like that. But, yeah. it, but it is entirely its, its, its own story. It does kind of call back to some of the last games before they changed the name. So actual Yakuza games, which were more Kiryu focused. I didn't play those. But basically the idea is he needs to give up his identity to protect this orphanage that he is very attached to. I see. So it's like, all right, I'll give up my life. It's like a deal he makes, like to keep them safe. And it's hilarious, though, because it's just him walking around, like, with a pair of glasses. <laughs> and literally everybody he sees, they're like, hey, it's Kiryu. And he's like, no, it's not. It's like Superman. <laughs> right. But he is like extreme. He like he is extremely committed. Like he'll never like give us. A, he's like, no, that's, I, I don't know who you're speaking of. That certainly isn't me. But it's like obviously him. It's like wearing the exact same thing, which is with glasses on. <laughs> really funny. Um, the humor in these games are great. Yeah, yeah. So this what is. What time period is this? It's like modern. Modern time. Modern times. So not the the ancient. No. Okay. Confused. I was just telling you about the game that you played, the, the homeless encampment in Yokohama. It's thing. exactly the same as that. Okay. No time jumps. No, huh? no. Uh, it is action-focused combat okay. versus you know where the, the series turns. had been starting to go more turn-based. Yeah. So I've been kind of re-acclimating my mind to that. It's very fun. There are now two different fighting styles. There's one which is kind of the traditional, you know, they call it Yakuza fighting style, where it's just, you know, feels very similar to, to those games. There's a new one they call Agent. Oh. So he's kind of aligned with this kind of more spy-like organization now. Oh, interesting. And they give him gadgets. Like Batman. So he has something in his watch where it can, like, shoot a wire. Mm. And you can, like, grab guys in combat and, like, throw them around, oh, which is pretty neat. fun. There's also you also use that around the environment to like see things. You like and you like pull something out. Oh. It's like, oh I got some money. Like Spider-Man when you can do that right. move with um, the webbing that it is it is a little bit similar the, the to that. Items? I yeah. also got a gadget that's like you can call these like drones to come and like harass the enemies and they're like, oh, oh. and then you go punch them. <laughs> uh, I also got like an exploding like cigarette bomb that I can throw. Okay, interesting. So the whole like James Bond, it's a little Bond, yeah. Conceit, I don't know how well it, it fits with like 
the Yakuza world, but it is it, it is kind of fun to have this new style yeah. of play. I do like when you can interact with the environment when you're fighting. That makes it like feel like oh, yeah. oh why does this environment exist? Right, right. You, know, you can still you, know, you still like pick up you know stuff and like smash people. Yeah, with it. I like that. There's a all, there's lot all of that, Yakuza which games. is great. So. It is also reusing a number of the environments. So, um, you know, like I said, I've been to Yokohama. Uh, I'm currently in Osaka, where there's a lot happening there, and the game's sort of opening up. But there are some new areas. So, like, I, I recently, last night, got to this... I assume it's an area that I'll be returning to. It's like this offshore casino that they have built oh. on this, like, oil rig. That sounds cool. And there's this whole sort of like coliseum there. It's, a, it's sort of a funny like story bit where like they're reenacting Yakuza battles through time. And they're <laughs> like, oh, you're going to be fighting, you know, the dragon of Dojima, Kiryu. Oh. And, he, and he's like, I wouldn't talk like that because he's like fighting this, this other guy who's pretending to be to him. To be him, yeah. Right, right. Uh, but that's very visually like very cool to look at, very flashy. It feels like like, you know, Super amped, like Las Vegas. They do a style. good job with that, like with those like right. those champagne clubs right. and like all so that stuff. You can yeah. kind of tell they're trying to like maybe make this a little bit on the cheap mm -hmm. uh, and be this lead into this new game. But they're they they do have some cool flourishes that they have put in. This is also a shorter game. Like I've heard, this is like fifteen ish hours oh, or so. Yeah. So it, it truly is just a lead in, um, I think, to the next game. But it's fun. I like it a lot. It's on Game Pass, so I'm playing it there. Nice. That's great. And um, yeah, it's a very it's a very nice little in between all these massive, massive games. Know, right? Just another nice little thing to, to fill that up. Yes. Uh, we both did you play this? We both I did, played yes. the final Mario Kart 8 Deluxe booster course pack. I did not realize that this was the final one. I like how they made a little artwork thing. Did yeah. they like thank you for right. all the years of Mario Kart 8? I think there oh, were just so great. many of those. Like, oh, surely there's several. The last spot was finally filled. Several more of these. But yeah, this is it. I thought this was yeah. a good one. It's a very good one. Good way to end it on a high note, huh? Yeah, some of, I mean, I thought they were all solid. Some were better. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the packs that we've gotten over the last couple yeah. of years have been solid. I thought this was probably a higher tier one. Right. This was a really good looking one. Beautiful. A lot of the courses were at nighttime, I noticed, mm -hmm. and they had some really nice lighting. lighting. Like there was the one where you go under and above water. Yeah, the piranha was my favorite and one. And you could see yeah. like the, the shimmering reflection. of the light. I was like, this is There's really like a nice boat looking. Up there with yeah. like a thing. Yeah, it's really cool. That one was great. I like that one too. Always you've got to break down the Mario Kart Tour mm -hmm. courses. So this one you had which Rome and Madrid. I liked Rome. I liked Rome a lot. I I didn't love Madrid. I feel like it's not the course's fault it's like the city needs to have like crazy landmarks for it to look recognizable madrid yeah. I, I did like when you go to the soccer field that was cool that was cool that was really cool they had that in the los angeles where you go through like dodger stadium so, i like that that was so neat. that was neat uh, but yeah i mean rome is just packed with enough things that people yeah, rome is very know. recognizable yeah no San Francisco course. We came up with a great idea for a San Francisco course that would be iconic immediately. It's terrible. But no way. Yeah, I mean, this is it. So Mario Kart 8, the game, the project, the legend is finally over. Ready for Mario After Kart 9 for ten, Switch 2? 10 years. We didn't put this in the upfront because we got to figure it out, but I, I do want to make some sort of a video just talking about the, the 10 years of Mario Kart because we were involved for a lot of those years. Right. And, you know, maybe looking ahead at what's to come. I think we have a good question in the Q&A as well yeah. about this later. But, yeah, it's it's amazing that the, this game lasted 10 years and they mm -hmm. just kept finding ways to sustain it. 
even though I, I, I'm sure that's not what they planned from the beginning. Right. So just, just an absolutely iconic classic. Yeah, it worked well, I thought, for this, for this game, and it, it kept everyone coming back to it. So whatever, you know, sort of system they had for this, I think it was a good, a, a good model for Mario Kart games going forward. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of those, like they had the uh, the DK Mountain. Mm -hmm. I was like, man, this still really holds, holds up, up. Holds up well. We Rainbow Road. The the reenvisioning of the Bowser's Castle from the SNES. That like, one was really. I was like, good. this is this is like indistinguishable from. Or I was like, there's there's no. I don't see the connective tissue between the original and this. Like they changed it, it up so, so much, good. but it was really fun and, and so really good. good. Yeah, that was so, a hard horse too. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've found that, like, these kind of tend to come and go right. as far as people paying that much attention to them. But I think I think this course pack in particular mm. maybe deserves an extra look. Yeah. Because it was good. Uh, another thing I've been playing is a game called Warhammer 40K Bolt Gun. Whoa. Which is a game oh, I've had cool. my eye on for a while. And then finally I was like, I should just get this because I was interested in it. So this came out a couple months ago. This is a first person shooter set in the Warhammer 40,000 universe. Do you know much about that? I don't. So this is I also Warhammer. the Warhammer Space Marine um, yeah. kind of general idea where it's like Warhammer is this very like fantasy, like Dungeons and Dragons level fantasy tabletop game. Okay. They also have another version of that that's set in the future. Okay. But you have like goblins in the future, oh. which is cool. And they have these space marines, which are kind of like often the main characters of these games, and they're like 10 feet tall, and they have 19 livers because they get what? shot all the time, and they're these like Ew. superhuman like creations. But this is a um, retro-styled first-person shooter. So kind of in, imagine like if you were like, well, if we made like Doom, Doom, if we made Doom today, or if we made like original Quake today, like what oh, would yeah. that kind of be like? That's so, fun. Those that's are a, fun games. That's a cool. I mean, visually, it very much feels like that, but also in terms of just, like, what you're doing, there's a lot of, like, oh, I need to find this key to get into this, you know, to open this door, and there's a lot of, like, little secrets that are hidden, which is mm. very much like those old id games had stuff like that. I love that. They're also, like, really keeping track of, like, your, your play time, so I imagine they're, like, you want you to speedrun this. We want you to try and, like, get the best time through it. The levels I've found are also, like, pretty bite-sized, so... I've seen a bit of a resurgence of this genre. There's a few other games that have come out recently where I'm like, okay, this is this is cool. It kind of as a counterpoint to modern first-person shooters. Yeah. Like people want something that's a bit faster and a bit more like arcadey almost. Like I, I like it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean Warhammer is something that I'm just sort of perpetually interested in. Mm -hmm. um, they do a good job of playing that out here. Um, the action is really good. You ha you you know. The game is called Bolt Gun. You, you get, have a bolt gun? I have a bolt gun. All right. When I shoot guys with the bolt gun, they basically explode very Whoa. in a very satisfying way. They have the... Um, one-shot kill? It is a lot of one-shot... I was surprised, actually. It is nice. a lot of... Depending on the enemy, it is a lot of one-shot kills. Sometimes you'll fight the other factions, Space Marines, and those take a lot of shots. You do also have the chainsaw sword oh, that always, the Space Marine has, fun. and that's very satisfying. Um, to have kind of a melee counterpoint to that. So I'll probably keep, you know, playing this here and there, but I'm liking it a lot. I, I, I got it on Switch. I think it's on most every platform, nice. but it's, it's very well suited to Switch or, or, the, or the Steam Deck. And it's, I find it's frequently on sale too. So I think it's worth a look. Nice. What's new in the world of Fashion Dreamer? Well, 
the new thing is is that we have a great community of fashion dreamer players on our Discord. Oh. We all shared our our sort of uh, player IDs or whatever you call it in that game. And now we can create looks for each other. We can visit each other's showroom. So this social aspect of Fashion Dreamer, I'm actually liking quite a bit. Mm. Like, I, I think last week I was saying, like, oh, I kind of miss sort of the, you know, the style-savvy gameplay a bit, since this is very, you know, focused on, like, you becoming a fashion influencer and getting these likes and stuff like that. But the social aspect is really good, because you do get to style for people that you know that are playing the game. Yeah, like, what... what? What, what are you make, doing in this? You can make like outfits for them okay. based on what they like. Yeah. Um, and you can also visit their showroom. So I've been updating my showroom a lot, which is pretty mm. fun because people come and like buy things from your showroom and give you like little hearts and stuff. And then um, you can go visit their showroom and like basically get the outfits um, from their showroom mm -hmm. into your game. So that part has been really cool. And it's nice to have people that are also playing the game that I actually know. Because um, it's always like when someone, I see someone like from our Patreon that's like, so-and-so created you yeah. like a, a look at. That's it's nice. like, oh, they do know me so well. Yeah. Like they yeah. made these like outfits. I totally would wear this in real life, you know? So that's really fun. So I really, really like that so far. Um, but yeah, it's been a really good little like side game. So I've been being terrified uh, after playing Alan Wake. I would like play like 10 minutes of Fashion Dreamer and watch like Gilmore <laughs> Girls so I can like go to sleep because or else I'll be, I'll have nightmares and oh, stuff. No. So yeah. <laughs> that's good. I was wondering... Because you seemed a little iffy on parts of it last week. I was wondering how much you would keep going. But that's cool yeah. if it has these social hooks that keep yeah. you Yeah, yeah, I like that back. a lot. I like that yeah. a lot. Nice. Well, that was the games we're playing. Yeah. I guess next week we got Mario RPG. And then then the you know the, the schedule kind of really eases up. So now this, we can this catch up. Just nonstop barrage of games. Yeah. It's going to slow down. What a, what a, what a year. My yeah. God. Yeah. Let's move to some news. We, we have a lot of news we had a, today. We do have a lot. We had a big news break this morning when the TGA nominees came out. Obviously, yes. a couple weeks ago, we did our big TGA predictions Yes, you should episode. check us. Check, watch that episode and check us to see how we did yeah. it. I think we actually did think we, pretty decent. I think we overall did pretty well. Yes. Uh, and we're not going to go through every category here, but we'll just go through a few of the things that stood out to us. Mm. So, Game of the Year nominees are, in alphabetical order, Oh. Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Mm -hmm. I think we predicted all of these except Resident Evil. Yeah. We got, were, I was a little we, surprised. We had a, a big discussion about, you know, whether, how, how a game that's a remake, remaster, will be treated mm -hmm. in terms of Game of the Year and Game, um, you know, nominees. I, we actually were wondering if Jeff might have, like, a remake category. Um, but I guess not. And I guess this game is here. I mean, this... It's an incredible thing to see a remake nominated for Game of the Year. Um, so that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I think we think? were we were feeling that either Final Fantasy 16 or, or Starfield mm. might get this spot. Yeah. In the end, neither of them did. And Yikes. I think Resident Evil 4 is very deserving. I think it's a fascinating conversation of yes. you know how remakes fit into these sorts of conversations so i'm excited for this i think this is an incredible six games mm -hmm. uh i guess with the exception of alan wake you'll you'll have played them all i i will have you will have them played all. them all i did not there's spend, a feather in your hat thank you i did not play um Baldur's gate to the end though so <sighs> i might pick that back up after alan wake actually. you really should 
I'm going to because I think I, that game deserves my more of my attention. My gosh. Um, but yes, what a list. Um, like we were saying before, like it's so interesting that we're getting a sort of a little repeat of 2017 with the two Nintendo games nominated, Wonder and Tears of the Kingdom, yeah. 2017 Odyssey and Breath of the Wild, obviously. Um, so it's fascinating to see Do you have a gut, a gut feeling about what's going to take this? I think it's Baldur's Gate. For sure. Yeah, I think it's Baldur's Gate and Zelda are the top two. Yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't think Zelda's taking it, though. I don't know which of those is, is yeah. the front runner, though. I really think Baldur's Gate did something incredible. Um, so incredible that you stopped playing it. I'm going to go back to it, but it's like <laughs> one of those things where it's like you never thought this genre would come back. Yeah, it did something incredible. It crashed while I was watching my ending. <laughs> <laughs> this is where, it's like a wedding where you're like, I object! When they like, oh, you're going to storm the stage. I get it. No, no more storm. Don't even talk about that. Okay. Don't even okay, say that. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, we did wonder, would Jeff add some new categories to kind of take it into account the, just the types of games and, yeah. and the number of games that came out this year. He largely didn't. It was mostly a lot of the same categories. So there was no remake category, even though there were a lot of great remakes. I didn't... Did Metroid get nominated for anything? Nothing. I mean, it seemed like Resident Evil was the one remake, remake that got a lot of action. Yeah. Not so much for the others. Uh, DLC was another thing that we were wondering, you know, how mm -hmm. would he do it? And yeah. he, he just kind of placed it in. So, like, I right. saw Cyberpunk getting some nominations. Yep. narrative, I So think, there was yeah. no best DLC. And again, I think I think Xenoblade DLC didn't didn't get anything. Snubs. Octopath Traveler 2. Um, that was a big prediction that we made. Came out to be completely Absolutely right. Absolutely true. Everyone forgot about that poor So game. it did not get nominated for Best RPG or Best Soundtrack. Right. Both of oh, which I think it's hard. very deserving. It's too bad. And yeah, I think that, you know, the reasons are it's like just a huge game that I don't think mm -hmm. enough people who are voting on this got th through enough of. And, you know, there was just so much pressure if you were, you know, in games media this year to just move on to the next hot thing. Yeah, you have to. When you have a 100-hour Octopath Traveler, it's just, like, there, not enough of them are just going to stick with it. Exactly. And you just, you really had no choice this yeah. year. So, so that's, that, I think that's a bit of a, you know, just kind of fundamental shortcoming of how he does this. But, uh, yeah, that, that stood out to me as one of the big snubs. Yeah. Little, 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 little trivia factoid, uh, Final Fantasy 16 did get listed as an RPG. You mentioned this when we did the nomination. It's very confused. That I was think, action adventure? Is I think that you're like... really onto something of these genres are getting harder and harder. Yeah. Because yeah, like Resident Evil them. was listed as action adventure. Mm -hmm. The action and action adventure. Can we just combine them? I don't know if he has... You know, tucked away the, some some actual written criteria distinction. Right. What I would like it? I would like to know. I, I'm just curious for myself because I have a hard time, you know, placing or categorizing. Yeah. It's like if you put Final Fantasy 16 in best action game, I think it could win that. I don't think it's winning best RPG. No. So, but but I think Square would probably prefer that it's listed. As an RPG, that's where the this is where the behind the scenes but lobbying. But not a JRPG. This is where the lobbying happens. Remember what happened with Jeff? The J Jeff's on. Oh, Jeff's on. <laughs> Jeff. Oh, Jeff's on. <laughs> Just it, saying. It, but don't you think that's interesting that they like fought tooth and nail for it not to be categorized as a JRPG, but they are fine with it being RPG. Like, I don't get that. Whatever. Okay. Mario Wonder, interestingly, did get nominated for best multiplayer. I, okay. I don't know if I would have 
chosen that, but okay. There is multiplayer in Mario yeah. Wonder, yeah. so that's something. Again, this is one of those games that came out right before people were choosing these nominees, so I wonder if they were like, uh, yeah, Mario Wonder, cool. Recency bias, people. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in most anticipated game, the selections were Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, Hades II, Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth, Star Wars Outlaws, mm. and Tekken 8. Oh. I would say this is not... As many bangers as they well, have sometimes had the kingdom, right? in this category. But it's yeah. going to be Final it's, Fantasy. It's, it's going to be very clearly Final Fantasy. Although Hades is a darling of the TGAs. The TGA But this is, a, this is a fan vote yeah. um, category. So yeah, 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 exactly. Very clearly. And then I just wanted to ask this last question. Is Starfield a disappointment for not getting Game of the Year a, a nomination? I think that's kind of a snub, honestly, too. You know? Like, I mean, I, th I think... I think ultimately, when you look at what got it, I wouldn't say I had a better time with Starfield than any of those games. But if you're Microsoft, do you feel a little, yes. a little, a little your, burn, a little sting? Game of the year, you don't get it, but Nintendo gets two. Are you kidding me? Like that feels bad. Yeah, Sony's got bad. one. Some third parties got one. You're part of the big three. You can get one. Yeah, out. like you really, you really had every expectation to get one. And out. it seems. And that then also, a, a remake took your spot. Ouch. Is Todd Howard just like calling in sick today to do some moping? Aw, I feel bad about that. That's not good. I hope he's okay. Um, but yeah, I, mm, that I really thought Starfield was gonna make it into yeah. Game of the Year. I really I'd be did. a little disappointed if I was Microsoft. I would be disappointed. That we didn't we didn't too. get a game of the year. Ouch. The new the new game from Bethesda. Jeff game Studios also, after all these years. Jeff also put out a couple tweets with like his little infographic infographic e kind of things yeah. and the most nominated public oh you found this was nintendo i was looking for this and you didn't say anything oh i'm sorry i didn't i didn't hear you what are the numbers it was like 19 nintendo okay nominated all those family those family game nominees yeah but yeah like yeah it is like very they're very Did you say what, what was the game that got the most nominations i believe it was because again i could Darn. see um can you look it up now? I don't know where it is. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Zelda, and Baldur's Gate like could all really just get a lot. I want to. Uh, now I can't remember. All right, it, whatever. But anyways, Incl included in the. I'll include it in the in podcast. The, yes. In the podcast description. All right. So the Game Awards is in a little under a month. So yes. Plenty of time to think on that yeah, a little bit more. Yeah. Exactly. But great games this year. What a what a year for for all of these fantastic games. Yeah, and it's yeah. fun. It's fun to always see it like in a big culmination at the end right. of the year. You know what I mean? So that's, that's a good thing. Pretty much immediately after we did the podcast last week, we got a Schreier bomb saying, hey, Grand Theft Auto 6 could be announced any day. Oh. And then, Here comes you know, like basically like the next day, they put out this series of tweets um, which I can just read. This is Rockstar. Next month marks the 25th anniversary of Rockstar Games. Thanks to the incredible support of our players worldwide, we've had the opportunity to create games we are truly passionate about. Without you, none of this would be possible, and we are so grateful to all of you for sharing this journey with us. Get to the point. In 1998, <laughs> Rockstar Games was founded on the idea that video games could come to be as essential to culture as any other form of entertainment, and we hope that we have created games you love in our efforts to be part of that evolution. We are very excited to let you know that in early December, we will release the first trailer for the next Grand Theft Auto. We look forward to many, many, many more years of sharing these experiences with you. Thank you, Sam Hauser. 
Maybe a tweet longer next time? I don't know anyways. why they needed to do this kind of, like, was this... It's like an announcement for an announcement for an announcement. I mean, they didn't do it in response to Jason because the Jason story was there that they were going to do this. Mm -hmm. I don't really see the point. Right. Scared of leaks? Who knows? I mean, well, they did. They did have a huge leak <laughs> um, not that long, long ago. Scared so maybe leaks? maybe they're just scared. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so is this is this early December? Is when the game is awards? Is it the happen? game awards? Is it going to be at the game? Is it the one more thing? Yeah. We get this. I. Grand Theft Auto trail. I mean, probably. Why not? I mean, they do, they do seem very much like a company that wants all of the attention on themselves. Yeah. That said, I mean, the Game Awards is such a huge venue. Like, you could close, Perfect you could close the show with that close and it, yeah. have Jeff make a big moment. So, and it's been so long. Yeah, we did. I mean, that was, that, was the, that, that was the meme. It's been, it's, it's, that's another 10 years. It's been 10 years. I can't believe it's So maybe, and a lot of people have, you know, come and gone at Rockstar. So maybe it's like a different era. Yeah. But... I don't even know what a new Grand Theft Auto is at this point. It's been so long, and there have been so many open world games, so much has changed. And even so much of, like, what Grand Theft Auto was as far as this big satire, like, has just become reality. <laughs> I, like, I don't know how you stay ahead of that. Yeah. But we'll find out. Yeah, maybe a clean slate kind of situation where you just start over and, right. and start right. from from a fresh place. Yeah, I mean they did they did yeah. have I mean, Grand Theft Auto Five the the kind of online ongoing part of that is still like super popular. So maybe they just go even heavier into that, and it's like more closely integrated with single right. player. Like that could be an interesting way to do it. I didn't stick with it for super long um, after I beat the story of, of GTA Five, but. That's been a huge success. Yeah. So. Yeah. We shall see. Yeah. I know, but it is kind of silly to have an announcement for an announcement for an announcement, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. I had a funny story. So um, my first job was at this agency, and one of the things um, that the people who worked there did before they started that agency is they did do a little bit of work with, with Rockstar mm -hmm. on the early, so it was like GTA 3 and Vice City. Okay. And they told us this story about how before Vice City was announced, I think it was at an E3, like those those screenshots had leaked, um, like maybe like an hour before that announcement had happened. Oh no. And they had like a, a war room situation. Yikes. And, um, you know, they, they were like, oh, people were scrambling and people were like, oh, what does it mean, what does it mean? And some, one of the executives was just like, it's the bloody Hindenburg. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I don't think he said bloody, but. <laughs> They're like, they take this Whoa. so, so seriously, seriously and they're so like make or break with their outlook on this sort of thing that, again, like I just wonder how they're feeling and how that studio has changed because it's been yeah. so long. Yeah. And a lot, a lot has changed. Right, right. Yeah. But also it's been so long that you can start over and not be right. You're not so penalized beholden. from it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can just shed those things that were annoying to you oh. and just start over. Yeah. We got sales updates on Spider-Man 2 and Mario Wonder. I'll start with Mario Wonder. So it has sold uh, 4.3 million copies globally, mm -hmm. which makes it, um, I think they were saying that's the, the biggest release for a Super Mario game yet. They didn't, they didn't have to qualify 2D or 3D, so right. this is just the biggest one. Good for them. So that's big. I think I saw some people saying like, oh, I thought it would be a little bit more. But, I mean, he even sort of tees up, like, this is going to sell for a long time. Right, I right. think they're very pleased with that. 
uh, again, the Black Friday momentum announcement remains a big opportunity <laughs> to talk more about this. Yeah. Keep an eye on that. And it's going to sell great over the holidays. Yeah, that's, sure. it's going to really go up before the end of the year. And then for Spider-Man, they have said that it is now over 5 million copies, which I guess puts okay. it just a tiny bit behind God of War Ragnarok, mm -hmm. which had 5.1 okay. in a similar time frame. So those, are, those two are just kind of neck and neck. But uh, God of War was also on PS4, so it did have a bigger total install base, install base to work with. Um, they shared this with this very strange Ric Flair uh, woo gif of Craven. Do you know who Ric Flair is? <laughs> no. Oh, Ric Flair is uh, the world's uh, wateriest uh, wrestler. His he's What's that mean? Well, when I was watching wrestler wrestling like twenty years ago, I was like, oh, Ric Flair, that guy's sure old, and he's still going. How old is he? I don't know, but he's got to be very old. He oh. likes to his his move is the chest chop. Where they will trade chop and just slap each other on You're the chest. Get, like a wind knocked out. That's why I'm saying he's very watery. Because when he gets hit with those chops, like if you slow mo that, it'd be like a waterbed. He's like, blah, blah, blah. yes. <laughs> and he looks exactly the same. He's got this like white hair. Whoa. He's always wearing the little like underwear, the red underwear. So I don't know why they chose the Ric Flair gift to put into Craven. Okay. <laughs> and he says, woo. That's, that's what Ric Flair does. He says, woo. Woo! <laughs> That's what Ric Flair does. Sure. So somebody over at Exomniac is like the world's but biggest Ric Flair wrestling, fan. Wrestling. And now you now you can be too. Okay, great. Can I do it to you? Grandpa, no. Please? <laughs> Absolutely not. Can I do it right now? No! Can Stay I do away from me. I have a microphone right here. No. Aww, Stay away from me. Oh, that's lame. Last news story. The Steam Deck OLED was announced. Oh, this is yeah. interesting. They had said, Valve had said, they would get asked this all the time, like, when are you going to do a, a revision? Mm -hmm. And they would say, we're, we're not. And in this case, I think they're, I understand that they were being true to their word with this. Right. I don't think they were liars for doing this. Because I think the way they were looking at that question was like a full-on major hardware, you know. Like, Overhaul. You know, faster yeah. speeds, you know, this more in better internal guts. This is the Switch OLED. I was going to say, this is basically Switch to Switch OLED. This is exactly, what, exactly that is. what that is. Exactly what that is. Right. So you get a, a bigger OLED screen. Mm -hmm. You're going from 7 inches to 7.4 inches. Uh, this is coming out on November 16th, so super soon. Yeah. That's in like a matter Holiday of days. Holiday time for people to get The battery holidays. life, it's funny because they were saying the battery life is up to 50% better, but in some cases you're going from th two to three hours, <laughs> so it's bad to bad. Yeah. Um, but some cases but it is, you're going to 12. It is better. Yeah. Uh, faster downloads. Mm -hmm. And uh, as far as pricing, you can get one of these 512 gigs for $549, $649 for a terabyte. Oof, and then the original, they've dropped the price down to uh, $399 for the 256 gigs. Um, this is where you throw out the one that I got you and demand a new one? No, I, I, I didn't have any thought at all that I should upgrade. I mean, this is, this is nice. This is a nice rolling upgrade for them to make, but it's very much an incremental step. So I think it's good that they are not falling trapped to, you know, the normal PC stuff of like every six months we have to put out a new put version. A new one, yeah. And I do think it's kind of amazing that PC games have not really outpaced what the Steam Deck can do. Yeah, yeah, it seems like it's pretty capable. Because even, even like when they were like, oh, Baldur's Gate runs great on the Steam Deck. I was like, what? It does? That's amazing. Right. I don't know how they're I mean, they really nailed those specs to be able to play most everything. 
It's great. They just know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, the battery life, I wish it was better. It's very dependent game to game. Right. Um, some games, it's like you can feel this thing getting super hot and these fans just go crazy. It's like, yeah. well, this isn't going to last long. Last but other games, other games, it's fine. So this is really nice. Obviously, the Steam Deck has been a big hit. I think this just reinforces that. And I think it's, I think it's good to have the Steam Deck playing a big part um, in the industry. I think it's yeah. a great piece of hardware. I think so, too. Yeah. Them's the news. All right. Whoa, that was a monster news section. Time for some questions. On. Start with a question from Cerulean Dragon, and we get all of our questions from our Patreon subscribers. Hey, you two. Now that Mario Kart 8 Deluxe has all of its DLC out, there's a whopping 96 tracks in the game. Wow. While it could be ported to whatever comes next, I think Nintendo realizes that Mario Kart is such a cash cow that not making a true ninth entry would be a major misstep. So that begs the question, how does Mario Kart 9 top this? Do you think it will launch with a standard 48-ish tracks, more or less? Do you think they'll do DLC right away or wait years like they did with Mario Kart 8 Deluxe? What new gimmicks would you like to see? Yeah, we've said this for a long time, but we totally think that Mario Kart 9 is going to be the launch title for the next uh, hardware. Yeah. Switch 2. And I still think that. I think for sure, like, you want the sort of you know, type, that type of game that everybody can play Mario Kart and like Mario Kart to be the launch game for your new system and, and to convert people over, too, to your new system. I think that would be the game that would do it. Um, I, I think that this model is good, though. I hope they don't wait too long between DLC releases, but this model of, like, kind of giving you something every once in a while to keep you coming back to this game over a long period of time is smart. It's really well done. I think that is the big takeaway and thing that they should do for this right. is we're going, to, we're going to plan from day one to support this for the entire life cycle of the next console. Right. And not, not in the same way of like a Fortnite live service where it's like a new thing every month, but more in the like every year, one to two years, we will have a substantial upgrade that will mm -hmm. bring people back and keep people playing and talking about this game yeah and that's and that's how we're going to keep making money off of this i think that would be a very smart model and it made me think of like what other nintendo games could they do this with obviously smash would be perfect Animal Crossing. we might not get a smash game splatoon that's what they should have done with splatoon 3 instead of having Splatoon 3 should have out. been just we are just continuing to add to splatoon 2 that would the have community's been a lot already there. They could have just added to Right, it. and there wasn't, yeah. there, it, it didn't completely change mm -hmm. what that game was. Right. So I do hope they're thinking about that of, you know, it's still a Nintendo experience. We're not falling into any like live service trend, but how can we support these big, big, big games for the entire length of a new generation and, yeah. and, and, and be a bit more proactive versus like, oh, this thing's big, we should do something. Yeah. Because we were we were still there when they said they were doing this. And right. I was I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I had like are could you say that again? Yeah. You're doing how many more tracks? Yeah. Just like the whole fighter pass thing. It's like how, yeah. how many fighters are you gonna do? Right. But it's like you should have planned for this, like for the timing of it to be like a little bit more. Yeah, like all like, of it. It, it yeah. just felt like they were like stumbling their way into it mm -hmm. to some degree. It's like totally. they, they planned to do DLC for on Wii U, that was fine. And it was like, oh yeah, we'll we'll put this thing out on the Switch. Like it was never a huge, it was not like the big priority for us. Yeah. And then it went on to sell 50 million copies. And then we were like, hmm, maybe we should do more for this. And then, right. and then it's like, oh, let's do these DLC And then a long time passed. Yeah. 
So it was very much right, an afterthought. Right. So, so if they can get ahead of that, they can do even more. Which Animal is cool. Animal Crossing is another one. They should. They, yeah. It's another thing where you want to incentivize people to come back to the entire life cycle of the console. Yeah, they, that would have been great. Yeah, they closed the door too, too early. soon on that. They should have been a bit more open to continuing to support that, I think. Yeah, that they, they made it so that you had no incentive to go back, yeah. even though it's a game that they want to encourage you to play for like 15 minutes every day. Those next-gen toilets, though. It's they don't make gold. themselves. They don't make themselves. It's going to be gold and automatic <laughs> day. Um, gimmicks. What new gimmicks would you like to see? Oh, I don't know. I mean... What, what I, bad, I, really? I I don't I don't want gimmicks. Ultimately, I mean, remember when when the original Mario Kart Eight came out, we made so much about the anti gravity. Anti -gravity. No but one what, even cares. But when you play the game, it's like it's like yeah. a nothing thing. It's like yeah, you're just driving around. There's another one with the, the glider. That was the other one. Mario Kart that was 7. a seven. That seven, was that yeah. was cool. That was cool. Um, I like that. I, I don't. I mean, make the gimmick as not prominent as it can be. <laughs> just just make it a good Mario Kart game. Yeah. Um, I could see them. Expanding again more with the other characters. Right, I was gonna say that's the one thing I did like, like the Link and the you know Animal Crossing integrations were fun. Yeah, um, the one thing I did ask myself was with Smash, we say, oh my gosh, how could you ever make another Smash game? You put it all here, but we don't say that with Mario Kart. Yeah, why not? I don't know. I think that Mario Kart is really hinged on tracks versus Smash, which is really hinged on characters. That's a great point. That's right? a really good point. I think that's what it is. Like, you, your imagination is really limitless yeah. with tracks. You can do anything. You really nailed that. Thanks. Good job. Wow. Pass the test. Mr. Nathan asks, I watched your presentation for Disney Dreamlight Valley, and it was interesting to see you in a setting where you were following a script and promoting a product that wasn't your personal brand. It was good, but it was evident that you were saying words someone else had written. Did it feel strange to be in that corporate environment, and did it feel like you were back at Nintendo working for the man? What sorts of conditions do you consider before accepting a job like this, such as do you have to personally enjoy the product or brand, or do you need a certain level of input on the script? If Nintendo ever offered you a similar one-off to present a game announcement in this style, would you consider it, and what conditions would you have before you said yes? Yeah, we had a great time um, working with Disney and GameLoft on the showcase. And that, that you kind of nailed it in your question that all of the things that we ask ourselves ourselves before doing something like this is exactly what you sort of put in the question. We absolutely have to be genuine fans of the game, which we are. Mm -hmm. I was playing this game so much, like over the summer when we were prepping to do this, I was like daily, but I couldn't tell you guys. I know. I was under like an ending. We both were. I could not. We both <laughs> yeah. played the game. We were like so into it. Like, and we were like every game of the, like games we were playing yeah. section. I was like, well, I didn't play a anything little, else. A little light maybe. Except for Disney. <laughs> so I have to make up something else. Right. It's so funny. But um, yeah, being, being a genuine fan and player of the game is, and the brand is obviously like a huge, it needs to be like a huge check mark for us. Um, yeah. Before and, we do anything like this. And, you know, I think GameLoft also sort of anticipated, like, some of the perspective that we would want to bring, where they were like, you know, we have these key messages, we need to get those across, but, you know, we want you to deliver it in a way that feels comfortable for you. Yeah. So if you want to, you know, tweak any of the language, obviously mm -hmm. there's things we have to say that we can't change, but yeah. just so it feels like you and that you're comfortable saying it. That, that's important. Yeah, um, that was really great. I'm not they... sure every every company would, would go that right. far, so we really appreciated that. Mm -hmm. um, 
doing something scripted is it, it is different. It's very different. Um, it's harder than you might think. It's very I hard. think for us that's harder than being unscripted. Oh yeah, absolutely um, harder. Because you have to get every word perfect, right? Yeah. But just felt super comfortable with them and um, had a really good team helping us through it. So yeah. I think it I think it came out great in the end. Yeah, I think doing something scripted is sort of like when we were at Nintendo and we used to do interviews uh, with yeah. with media. Like that was a big part of our job. Um, you know, that maybe some of you guys didn't see as much because you guys were watching, like, Nintendo in the Minute, which is unscripted. But, like, there would be this, like, binder of questions and answers. Mm -hmm. and you would have to say the answer, like, pretty much yeah. as it's written because sometimes when you say the answer, like, a little bit different, it actually can mean something else. You get in trouble. Yeah. Like, that's why it's, like, those media interviews can be really scary because if your response is taken a different way than intended, it could actually be pretty bad. So we were really careful with those things, and that kind of reminded me a little bit of like you have you you can say things in your own words, but you have to get the the message across in a way that is very clear. Um, but yeah, we we loved working with GameLoft. It was wonderful to do something like this for a game that we're both such huge fans of, and uh, yeah, we we had a lot of fun. Yeah. Next question is from. <laughs> Directed by Alan Smithy. Who's actually Pikmin Sneezkov. Who uh, lost a profile picture bet, which uh, <laughs> seems to happen fairly often. The picture, is this like, like an astronomer. Galileo or Copernicus or... You know, Who's Alan Smithy? Shout out, shout out to Galileo. I think Alan Smithy is a, is a movie director, I believe. Okay. A lot of debates about, about movies with old Pikmin Sneezkov. Oh, boy. I'm sure uh, we'll get it's the hilarious. update. But... Recently, RGT85 made a video titled How Metacritic is Ruining Video Games. RGT makes a point how Metacritic should not be used as gospel be-all, end-all type of consensus. RGT argues that Metacritic has gained too much influence on whether games can be considered good or not, and whether they're actually worthy of Game of the Year awards, etc. I'd like to ask you, what is your take on Metacritic and gaming scoring in general? Do you put much stock into it, or do you just enjoy playing your favorite games without caring about the scores? Thank you. Yeah, this is tricky because I think it's gotten very contentious over the years, um, especially in recent years. Now we have that thing like the review bombing that you basically, when we were at Nintendo, you would warn everybody before reviews came out for a game that this was going to happen. And every single time they would be shocked. Pokemon Sword and Shield was the one where I had to go really big and telling people like this is, this these, is these user scores are going to suck. Yeah, they were like all like, why? Yeah. Why though? Yeah. Um, so that's like a big kind of negative part of that yeah yeah but there is something to review scores i i do look for me i i do care about them i honestly do care because mm -hmm. i i need someone to help me like you want, you want to know that you're not wasting your time I need on something to help that, me that sucks exactly i don't have that but much time i think we are also good at looking a few layers deeper just yeah. beyond the score of like okay well if this got an iffy score like why Based though? on what I'm seeing, like, do I think I would still like it? Right. Like, I would never, I mean, unless a game's getting, like, you know, doo-doo level scores. Like 40 Like, I'm still open yeah. to playing it if it looks like something that's fun. Yeah. Um, there are times where, like, the scores are a lot lower than I was expecting. Right. And, and those can be surprising. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but I'm not like just looking at a number and it's like, does, is, this, is this higher than 85? I won't play anything lower than yeah. 85. But I, I do, I understand the point of this video, which is I, I think pe some people do have that mindset. Right. I don't it's like, oh, it's beneath mindset. me. I would never do that. Yeah, I don't have the mindset of like, it needs to be above like a certain score for right. me to consider playing it. The other thing that I, I like to do, and maybe this is unique to us, is I do look, like, look at who's writing the review. Oh. Because sometimes I know them personally yeah. and they know me. So if they're saying something in their review that resonates with me, I, I feel like, yes, like they're, they're, they know who I am and they like the, certain, the kinds of things that I like. So if they give this game a good score, then that's a good sign, you know, because we have like probably similar sensibilities. Yeah. It's like almost like you're asking your friend for a recommendation, that friend that knows you versus just looking at like a bunch of strangers and a bunch of scores, yeah, right? Yeah. So I do, I do take a lot of, like, I look at Metacritic, but I only look at, like, certain outlets and certain writers because I know who they are. Yeah. Um, and I know that they have similar taste to me. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when we were at Nintendo, like, we would always send out a report when the Metacritic score mm -hmm. went live. People would yeah. always want to know. Yeah. But, I mean, it did have a tangible impact. Um, like, people knew, like, if your game gets bad reviews, that's not going to be good for you and trying right. to sell it. And, and it did become, like... An another another thing to talk about of like, hey, people love this game. It got a ninety, whatever. Yeah. So there there are specific reasons why those companies care a lot. I don't like, and I don't know how much this is still happening, but there 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 was talk of studios where like the bonuses were tied to Metacritic scores. I think that sucks. Whoa. Yeah. That's crazy. Like if, the game, if your game gets over X, you get some bonus. That's that feels I would, icky. I wouldn't want to put like if you're like media like I'm I'm impacting this person's livelihood based on how I'm scoring yeah this game but beyond just how it sells and we talked to media before too about like the pressure I think of that's, scoring I think something. that sucks yeah and it, it kind of sucks like honestly right. like sometimes right. they're like we feel like we sometimes it's like I can't believe people yeah, have and, this kind of like life or death and like the, the to reaction it. to Starfield the Starfield reviews was really over the top. And like people yeah. were freaking out before that game even Pokemon came out, or they played too. it. It's like this is not that serious, people. Yeah, yeah. Pokemon reviews always get right. like the most right, crazy right. comments. Right. Like, so I, I, I think there's a lot to this this idea. Uh, and shout out to RGT for wearing kiss, for wearing kiss shirts. Uh, oh, I'm always, yeah. I've always uh, like, I like his videos a lot. I always too. like a fellow it's Kiss very, fan. Very honest. Yes. Yeah. Great. Riven videos. asks. So Nintendo just announced a live-action Zelda movie in the works. Would you, like me, have strongly uh, preferred an animated movie instead of live-action? Yeah, I would the, I, the, Okay, the Ghibli example you had was the perfect example for me. That would be very cool. Again, you would just have such a, 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 a smaller hill to climb. Actually, instead of a live-action movie, I'm sorry, instead of an animated movie, I would have loved oh, an animated series. series. Uh -huh. I think that would have been the way to go. Hmm. But hey. Could, I'm not. Could the world yeah. sustain a, a Zelda movies and TV shows that are like separate things happening generally simultaneously? Maybe the the series can be animated, and the the movie or the the movie can be live action. But that's how we get our animated Zelda in. That's interesting. Maybe it's like a like a like a tune link kind yeah. of style yeah. versus the the movie version is very you know. Real life, obviously real life, but like a little bit more of like the Twilight Princess style. I don't know. Yeah. That could be cool. Okay. Uh, we have another Zelda question um, from Wario Tush. This opinion could get a bunch of rotten vegetables thrown at me, but uh -oh. I think the best bet any Zelda movie has of being good is if Link is a kid in it. Oh. 
Given that it's Sony, I'm assuming Link will be unfortunately played by Tom Holland. <laughs> who do you think it'll be? Not who do you want, but who or what kind of actor do you think Sony will ultimately go with? So Kid Link is an interesting question. Do we think that it's going to be like the Ocarina of Time storyline where it is very Well, then like, you need two links. Two links? You need, you're going to double the casting paranoia by having Kid and Adult and Link? Adult Link, yeah. Kid Link, how would you do that? Would that be Kid Zelda too then? Yeah, so if you had Kid Link, what, what would the right age be for Kid Link? 14? First of all, put some pants on that kid, step one. Oh my gosh. Uh, step two, yeah, I can see like 14. Like a, like a tween. Well, that's like, that's like 11. Okay, I don't know of kids' ages. I think 14, 14 that's seems good. That's Link. But not like, we want like post-puberty Link, <laughs> right? What's post-puberty? 16? Come on! 14? <laughs> Work with me here. 12? Oh, like his, his voice is yes. a little bit deeper now? right. But, okay, that's a kid then. So like the kid... The is kid, Teen Link? The kid who did like um, Young Anakin in episode one, who was maybe he's like 10, I think. Uh, okay, 10. That's a little too young, I think. That's too, you think that's too young. But that, little, that probably... What about the little girl that did, that little girl that was like the, um, the baby princess Zelda, Leia? Oh, she was, she was even younger than that, So I that's think. too young. We think that's too I young. I mean, that's, like you're in like, now you have a whole other thing to worry about with child actors. Right. What about um, Lady Marmont? in Game of Thrones, that, that girl. Oh, who is now in The Last of Us. Right, how, how do you like her? I don't remember how old she is was Is she old enough? I don't know. Again, but... bad with kids' ages. I'm very bad. I don't know how old <coughs> any kid is. I, I think so that's... Kid Link, we think, is maybe too... I, I don't know about Kid Link, but what about te yeah, teen, 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 teen Link? link yeah, like young, younger Teen Link. High school Link. Not like 18. Like 14. 14, 15, 16. You, High school Link. You do want somebody who can kind of grow into this role. You know, and not be like, oh, like Harry Potter. within five years, like, well, now they're too old. This is like the Potter universe then. You want, you want like Sorcerer's Stone all the way to Deathly Hallows, which is like literally that. It's like. So how old, how old were he they? He was 11. When they started and when they ended. 11 when he started, 11. 19 when he ended. Yeah, 11 I think is too young. But that, that dynamic of like 11 year olds figuring their stuff out, like. That could also that help. That could be kind of cool. That could also help with the tone problem that right. we were talking about. It was like, well, they're kids. They're, they're having fun, you know? Right. They're, their kids are figuring stuff out Versus still. like the Game of Thrones, like grizzled old man grumbling yeah. into a microphone. Yeah, 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 exactly. All right. I would not be, I would not, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I would not dislike a Harry Potter comp to this, where it is like sort of you grow into it if you have multiple movies. Yeah. Like, what if you did do that? What if you had like three characters, like your, like a... Zelda, Legend of Zelda version of like a Harry, a Hermione, and Ron, and you just had those three people just like doo -doo -doo -doo, all the way it's up. It's not to... like the games. We need a new Link in every movie. Recast every time. We go through that trauma every time. Who's the new Link? Who's you your, gotta hear him talk. Who's the Daniel Radcliffe of? Two out of ten. Fail. Yeah, because then you would have to pair it with the right Zelda as right, well. I'm out on this question now. <laughs> it's very complicated. <laughs> we, went, we went too deep into it. Very complicated. Uh, we have one, one more about a uh, Zelda movie. From Zroid, hey Kit and Krista, on the topic of the Zelda movie, much as always has been discussed on the specter of talking Link. It is probably a safe assumption that Link in the movie will be fully verbal. However, for years I've imagined how cool it would be if not only were Link mute, but if they were to cast a mute actor in the role as well. I think it would be such an awesome nod to the games while being a terrific way to showcase the talent of a person with a disability, which doesn't normally happen in a major motion pictures. Setting aside the likelihood of this occurring, how would you feel about a nonverbal link in the movie? 
Would it work? And dare I say, do you think it could help lead to an even better film? So if you cast somebody who was actually like mute in real life, like that, and, and again, if you explain why versus like, oh, he just doesn't like to talk, he's quiet. You need some, so it needs to be addressed. Right, there right. needs to be some way to address it. Right. And then I guess you would have to figure out the, the way to communicate. Is it with sign language? Is it with something else? Right. Um, you know, that, that needs to be addressed as right. well, right? So I started reading um, the comics for um, Echo, which is the next Marvel series that they're doing. Yeah. Which is kind of a, a Daredevil adjacent character. And I, I love Daredevil, so I wanted to read this before that show comes out. And that's an interesting way of like that character does have um, disabilities. That character is deaf, but kind of her power is that she can perfectly mimic any sort of like physical activity that she can see. Mm. So they're like, she can watch like an expert playing the piano and it's like she can play the piano perfectly. Right, right. And they're like, that's actually how she learned how to speak. Like she she watched how people speak and then, yeah. and then she can she can say those words and do it that way. So I think as long as you're not like dancing around it and you mm -hmm. are giving a reason for why it is this way, I think everybody collectively is a bit more open to it versus versus how it is in the games where it's just it's, it's just, just never addressed. it's just never addressed. Yeah. Where it's like everybody else is talking and he's just, you know, standing around. Yeah. But people interact with him. And right. you see him from the back, like making hand yeah, gestures right. as if he is talking. Exactly. You just don't see his lips right. moving. Like that's the, that's the approach that I don't think is going to fly. I, I, that, that's my point. Right. Is, yeah, I don't think that approach is. Right. The in-game approach is not going to fly. Right. Build in a reason. Make it, make it clear so people know yes. what it is. I still think it's more likely that he will speak, but, yeah. but again, there are ways to yeah. introduce There's obviously stuff. a thing that you have to address here, right. that they have to address here. Yes. They just need to do that well, and, and, and to your point, not dance around it, right. which I think is important. Last question's from Vidge Michter. Recently, Jimmy Fallon had a segment on his show in which he reacted, or excuse me, he raced with one of the members of The Roots and a level of the Mario Brothers Wonder Game for the Nintendo Switch family of systems. <laughs> members of the audience received an OLED Switch with a copy of Wonder. However, unlike previous segments featuring Miyamoto-san or Reggie, no Nintendo rep was present, which made me wonder, no pun intended, if Nintendo was involved in the segment at all. As you two have stated, Nintendo doesn't seem to want to have any public figures to be seen as the face of their company anymore. Would the segment of The Tonight Show be a good example of that? Providing the audience with their own Switch OLED models might be a dead giveaway that Nintendo was involved, but I could also see an intern ordering a few hundred from various retailer, retailers and someone from NBC paying the bill without a second thought. This is what we should call a paid integration. <laughs> and yes, Nintendo was very much involved. Actually, it might have been the ad team that was involved in this versus the comms team. Um, because on the communications team, there's a lot of earned stuff that was done in terms of like, these types of being on a talk show in terms, you know, like how we did it before, the earned part of it is you get Reggie on and we show you a new level, but we don't have to pay for anything. Giving away that many pieces of hardware mm -hmm. is more than tip. There, there would always be a lot of concern about That's giveaways. Right. They don't like giveaways. Of like, these are people who might eventually buy this. Are we sure we want to give this? That's a lot. So I, I tend to agree that this was part of some Ad buy. purchase. Yeah. Um, that was made because oftentimes like you know if I'll have a giveaway it might be a game or something that's not mm -hmm. the full value of a piece of hardware yeah but
But yeah, that's not something that The Tonight Show is ever going to do on its own. Right. This is somebody, you know, on the Nintendo side paid for this to be part of The Tonight Show. It's, almost, it's basically like an ad, like a paid advertisement. And the terms of the deal were that you play for a few seconds on the show, a few minutes, yeah. and they have <clears throat> systems to give away to their audience. Right. Like all of those Conan O'Brien clueless gamer, mm -hmm. those are all paid. Right. We did one for Smash. I should tell that story sometime with the Smash Brothers uh, for Wii U clueless gamer that yeah. we did. That one was not paid, surprisingly. That yeah. was one where they editorially wanted to do it. But every other one of those we used to do paid, paid ones for the ellen degeneres show when that yeah. existed but that that was exactly right. what this was we would have on, on stage ellen would play it for a few minutes and then there'll be an audience giveaway yeah that those are the terms right nintendo yeah. also has someone who is very focused on these sort of late night opportunities mm -hmm. um who is on the communications team so i imagine they were working very closely to kind of manage the, the relationships and some of the logistics well you know the ad team is like actually dropping the money yeah so yeah, there's, I mean, there's very little that these... These big shows don't do They don't do a lot on their free. own. Yeah, and they, they don't certainly do it on don't their do it for own. free. Yeah, right, absolutely right. not. Like, yeah. everything that you see is paid, Yeah, unfortunately. And, it, and yeah. you would be shocked at how much planning goes into, like, oh. what's ultimately, like, a two-minute, like, throwaway oh, segment. Oh, my God. And there's going to be so much, like, hand-wringing, yeah. too, because I'm sure, inevitably, like, the game didn't look as good when two sort of casuals are playing it for the first time. I'm sure there was some chaotic stuff that happened. I didn't watch the segment. Some chaotic stuff that happened yeah. that led to a lot of hand wringing and and. Um, he didn't get the power up. He didn't show Elephant Mario. I, yeah, it was a oh, failure. It was a fail. He died three times. Oh no! Like it's gonna be, it's gonna be that. So it's annoying and kind of not worth it. Yeah. So. All right. Them's the questions. Them's the questions. Wow. Um, let's shout out some amazing Patreon superstars, shall we? Yes. Aaron Hash. Ben Eichhorn. Maru Mayhem. Eigenverse. Kiss My Flapjack. Mike Chin. Roy Eschke. Switching it up. Underscore. Faison. VGM Life. Link, the hero of wins. Angela Bycroft and her pig Molly. Thomas O'Rourke. Kyle LaBeouf. Roberto Nieves. Frederick Wolf Conradson. Andrew Yuhas. Chili. Bruce Dash. And Rain Tech. Yay. Oki. And now the one up club. Here we go. Aaron Burgundy. Ale Alejandro. Astro Death. Awesome 46. Bad Moon Horizon. Ben GB. Blue Yellow Gray. Bookum Dano. Bookishly Fab. Brooke Obscura. Brofap Novak. Cameron. Chelly Squirrel. Christopher Lay. Captain Alex. Crimcat. Sea Roper 17. Doxon. Doinko. Dolce. Dino Punch. Elite Peach. Esparts 50. Fart Priest 69. Furbound. Fernie and Jess Forever. Fox the Ploy. Garrett Hullfish. Garth the Wolf. Gartooth. G Sun 101. Heroic. Ias Marin. Jay Rando. Jabroni Jones. Jeffrey Hernandez. Jerry 92602. Jesse Hernandez. John Responte. Jonathan Rowe. Jordan Clett. Jordan Hemmerly. Joshua Clements. Juji Fruit. Jess Camtro. Justin Leminger. Kawa 2796. Keith Kwan. Kevin Delane. Kilo Kibo. Chris Tarati Kid. Christopia Party With Me. Kyle Gamer Barry Rookie. Kyle Kretzer. Linnell Stickman. Lex. Lit. Luminous. Mad Dog 5981. Magnificent Easy G and Callie Marie. Marky Man 64. Mario Man 392. Method Dragon 101. Megan. Michael Cravens. Mikey. Motomania. Mr. Andy Paul. Mr. Beans and Dip. MSM Poke Gamer. My Tran. Nasir. Nathan Burkhart. Ninja 11. Panda Buns. Pangy. Palsy Pace. Paul Gale Network. Prime Factor. Prince Charmless. Raver. 
Ryeth Wan. Rob Osborne. Rocks. Ryanetta. Sharif Jackson. Sheer Cold Vanille. Shinryu. Slowbro. Snavel. Spicy Munchkin. Steel Citron. Sunny Gaduru. Tales of Link. Tech Magic. Terra Storm. The Shark. Among Men. Thomas Alvarez. Uh, Three Rivers. Topher Schmofer. Tor Cheeks. Travis Torline. Trickowie. Tugs Puppy Bear. Tuscoob. Tyler Geis. Vezes. Video Game Stupid. Viridian. Virtual Bot. Weed Kingdom. W.G. Grizzy. Wicked Davy. Will Johnson. Zutiverf. Zelgra. Zapani. And Zoid. Whoa. Your schnallow was especially <laughs> we were We were reading the um, the TGA nomination. Right, it's like best esports, whatever. And it was all it's names like, that sounded like. Might as well like be reading a Patreon, Patreon list, yeah. Like, <laughs> the the, the esports stars are Pinky. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you are all esports winners in our heart, guys. That's what that's what it is. All right. If you're watching this on video, you can go ahead and subscribe to this YouTube channel, give this video a thumbs up, and leave us a comment. If you are listening on audio, you can also subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and a written review if you please. And don't forget to follow us on Patreon. We are Krista, no, wow. What? We are oh, wow. Whoa, I really messed it that finally up. happened. It finally happened. We, you can it's, it's written right on this page. Because I was supposed to go first and then you were supposed to say that. Well, you, you, just looked at me, you just looked at me. Wow. We are, follow us on Patreon, seriously. We are patreon.com slash Kit and Krista. Also, we're on the socials. We're Kit and Krista on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, and Threads. You messed me up. I'm mad at you now. We're going to stop this podcast. You can't say anything else. Goodbye.